Hey everyone, and welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you from the studio in the heart of a very cold, but very sunny Yorkshire, England. It's midwinter, so no surprise that it's cold, but whew, man, <laughs> this morning was icy and frosty, and the brass monkeys were trying to hold on to their testicles. Yes, I said testicles. No giggling at the back. You've heard of freezing the balls off a brass monkey? Honestly, you lot. Travis can pepper a voicemail with enough F-bombs to make Deborah Morgan blush, but I can't make a reference to brass monkey genitalia. I'll talk to you afterwards. Where was I? <laughs> oh, I'd not even started, had I? Sorry about that. I am a professional, really. Hey, I said stop giggling at the back. I've been doing this podcast for 12 years now. Over a hundred episodes. <laughs> the scenery, the scenery, the centenary passed by mid-season and I didn't notice until someone said that some podcasts were missing from the feed. Then it turned out there was a default cap of a hundred episodes on the feed. So I've corrected that now, but it was the first time I'd noticed I'd hit a hundred. Anyway, we're here to talk about the new blood finale, of course, and there's still a lot to say. The Roundtable podcast last week was fun, and my thanks again go to Travis, Nick and Chris for joining me. I do tend to step back a little bit in these roundtables, and I let my guests speak as much as they want, but it's, it's just me this week. Well, me and all of you who've sent in feedback, but hopefully I'll give you a much clearer idea of where I'm at with things. This last week has been quite something. <laughs> I still remember how it went after season eight. We had similar strong reactions back then. For me, although season eight left me quite disappointed, it wasn't without its moments. And it does sound like this is the same for many of New Blood's harsher critics. I say harsh, but this is an understatement for some of the hate I've been reading on social media this week, particularly directed towards the show's creators, including Scott Reynolds. I'm all for having an open and honest discussion about something, but when you have to resort to swearing and name-calling, you've already lost the argument. I've done my best not to feed any of it online, but I have to say I've been ashamed of some of my so-called fellow Dexter fans. It's absolutely fine to care passionately about something, and it's absolutely fine to have a strong reaction. But the hate speech I've witnessed has left me utterly dismayed, and I'm so sorry for those people involved with making the show that they've received this. We've said before how fans can take ownership of a show and can have a visceral reaction to things that happen in it. That's fine, that's normal. It's happened before with the recent Star Wars films. Ryan Johnson bloody well copped it, didn't he? <laughs> and, and, and JJ as well. And, and before that, with just about any popular TV show, Lost comes to mind as one that is close to my own heart and had a divisive finale. It was a show that inspired me to get into podcasting. The creators of TV shows accept this. They accept this shared ownership and, and that it's something that 
happens, and, and I'm sure they were prepared for some not liking how New Blood finished. But I hope that when Scott Reynolds was on here three weeks ago, that it came across how much he genuinely cares for this story. It did to me. How much he loves the character of Dexter. I have no doubt that they spent a lot of time considering how this would play out, even if the final fate of Dexter wasn't in doubt. And from hearing interviews with Clive Phillips recently, it sounds like he always had this, this end game in mind. I, I, I don't doubt that they will have spent weeks and months discussing how they would get there to, to, the, um, to, the, to that ultimate goal, the, the final fate of Dexter. Personally, I just feel that it could have done with another episode or two to let the endgame play out more. I wonder if they do too, in hindsight, but I'm sure the deal was done early on with an agreement with Showtime about how many episodes they had. Anyway, we'll surely talk about this and more as we go through the feedback. And there is a lot, so I hope you stay with me. There is a good balance of positive and negative and some in between. As always, if you want to get in touch, it's dissectingdexter at gmail.com. I've, I've plugged this a couple of times on the podcast already, but I'll do it now at the top of the show, just in case I lose some of you uh, halfway through. <laughs> I don't know how long this, is, this one's going to go yet. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but I will be doing a top five moments of New Blood next week, probably, depending how soon or how, how quickly the, the feedback comes through and, and how much uh, work commitments allow um, and, and family commitments, of course, as to how much time I have to, to do another podcast. But we will we will reflect on the high points of New Blood, no question. Uh, so please uh, get your nominations, your, your votes for the, the top five moments of New Blood. Send them into the usual email address and I'll collate them and we'll go through uh, the, the, the five favourites uh, very soon. And, and we'll have some fun with that, I think. End on, end on a, a very positive note. I think that would, be, that would be good. And I think we'll all, even if you didn't like the finale, I think we can all agree that this season... Has, has largely been very, very good. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of positives. There are a lot of positives. Yeah, so I look forward to that. Uh, but let's not waste any more time talking about the darker side of social media, shall we? Um, dive into the feedback. But I just want, as always, to uh, say a quick thank you to all my patrons uh, who have signed up at patreon.com slash dissecting dexter uh to support the show financially and uh, it it really has made a massive difference to uh being able to get a good podcasting host to to store all the files in somewhere where we have a lot of bandwidth to uh, to take all the millions of downloads that um <laughs> no not millions <laughs> but to to uh yeah to support the bandwidth and the hosting of the podcast thanks ever so much everybody Right, I'm, I'm dithering, aren't I? Let's get into the feedback. I'm not trying to put it off, honest. <laughs> no, I'm really not. Let's go. Listener feedback. All right, so here we go then. Oh, 
There's a lot, you know. <laughs> I remember getting a lot for the season eight finale and uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure the feedback episode went a couple of hours. I can see that happening here now easily. So apologies if this goes long and I'll, you know how I like to respond to everybody individually. So uh, apologies if I repeat points, I'll try not to, but uh, no promises. Anyway, here we go. Uh, first email from Billy Bowers, who says, I think people are so outraged because it's so final. At least the first ending gave us uncertainty. This ending is very certain. He's dead. It's final. But it's the way it had to be. I personally loved it. It was heartbreaking, but right. I heard Michael C. Hall in an interview years ago say he always wanted Dexter to die in the end. It was the best way. Although I would have loved him to live, it's the ending that needed to be. I mean, what did people want? They didn't like him faking his death and starting a new life. They didn't like him dying. Did they want to hold trial and death by electric chair? Heck no, it needed to be this way. As for a Harrison spin-off, I thought it was a cool idea until this last episode. After that last voiceover monologue, I think it would be a mistake, almost disrespectful to Dexter. Thanks, Billy. I agree with your point there about a spin-off. I don't think it's necessary. I'm good with Harrison severing that connection to his father. Factor in the contents of the letter and, and just leave it be. Of course, it sounds like Clyde Phillips is well up for a spin-off and if, if and when he gets the call from Showtime, perhaps he, he even has an idea of what it could look like. But time will tell. I'm OK if this is it now. John Richardson's emailed in. He's been someone who has perhaps been on the more negative side of the fence this season, generally. But let's hear what he thought of the ending. He writes, It may come as a shock to hear this, but I actually like the ending. I didn't love it, but as we've established, I seem to be the resident naysayer recently and was probably expected to hate this episode. I did see some people weren't fans, but I was okay with Dexter dying. I just wish it was built up over more than an episode and a half. The ending is not as definitive as I would have originally liked, with Dexter and Harrison dying. However, it's the next best thing. Harrison killing Dexter and Angela covering up the murder, covering up the murder made sense to me. I do think Angela should have been there to see the shot, but now I'm just nitpicking. This ending did leave a Harrison spin-off open for a possibility that I will probably not watch, because while I like Jack Alcott, I don't need more Harrison. Unfortunately, Logan had to die. You have to give the audience that like Dexter and want him to live the justification they need to be okay with Dexter dying. For killing an innocent and, ultimately, breaking the code. I know you can bring up Dokes, who he didn't kill but framed, and then killed Lila, who killed Dokes. Rita, who died ultimately because Dexter didn't kill Trinity when he had the opportunity and kept tampering with evidence so he could be the one to kill him, which gave Trinity the chance to kill Rita. That one's definitely on Dexter. Sorry, my dog has chosen this moment to start running around the living room like a mad thing, playing with... What have you got, Dolly? Chicken. She got a rubber chicken or something for Christmas, and every so often she um, rags it all over the place. <laughs> Where was I? Um, yes, that one's definitely on LaGuerta. Uh, on Dexter. LaGuerta who he was definitely going to kill before Deb stepped in and decided she couldn't kill Dexter and had to kill LaGuerta to protect him, which technically would put her in a similar situation as Lila. 
but he's not going to kill Deb. She's the last people he would even consider killing. But he still ends up getting her killed because he did not kill when he had the chance again. But all of this is a decade old news and distance softens people's outlook. This is just a long drawn out reasoning as to why Logan had to die and why none of the other innocent deaths were good enough for him dying in New Blood. I'm still not quite sure why Angela had to be so secretive with Logan about all things related to Dexter, even when she hears about Kurt's runaway tomb. In the end, I was confused about Angela's need to be so secretive as to not even let Logan in the loop. I guess keeping him in the dark is what led to him being killed, so was necessary. This was a very interesting season. I would firmly place it in third in the best seasons list. Thanks, John. If you rank this as the third best season of Dexter, it sounds like you must have quite enjoyed it overall, which is really good to know. For me, it's up there with the first four seasons quite comfortably. Craig Tabot has been in touch. He says, the very end just did not add up for me. Here are four, here are four points about the final scenes that really left me feeling less than enthusiastic about this ending. Point one, Dexter's decision to kill Logan seemed out of character. With the chokehold, rendering Logan unconscious was only a matter of a minute or two. Snapping his neck was unnecessary and brutal. I feel that Dexter would have known this, having been in so many of these situations before, so I do not understand why he would kill Logan in that situation. In addition, how does snapping a guy's neck get blood on you? He didn't tear his head off. That scene being so critical to the entire outcome makes no sense to me at all. Point two. Dexter having Harrison kill him makes no sense to me either. To me, the entire goal of Dexter's character throughout this season seemed to be focused on finding the best life for Harrison. He states this in nearly every episode and at the very end of the show. With this in mind, the final scene where Dexter invites Harrison to murder him seems like a choice that can only accomplish the opposite of what his goals have been all season. Am I the only one that feels that cajoling your son to murder you in a cold, calculating way seems like a terrible choice for Harrison's future. It makes everything worse for Harrison. At the moment of that scene, Dexter has no idea that Angela will be letting Harrison go. Therefore, he is, he is knowingly setting his son up for a murder charge or a lifetime of fleeing the law. Even when the improbable happens, that Angela just lets him go, also out of character for Angela in my view, see point four, Harrison is still left with facing the reality of what he just did. I cannot think of a worse parting gift from Dexter. Harrison is now the boy who murdered his father. Not because he saw Dexter do anything wrong, but because he thought Dexter crossed the line and for his perception of what Dexter did or did not do for him as a father. At that moment, Harrison is a worse psychopath than Dexter ever was. This will definitely seal Harrison's fate in that he will never ever reach the normal he has been seeking. I want to understand why the writers think that Dexter sees as the best thing for him versus all the multiple alternatives. I do not believe that Dexter would have handled this situation this way. Point three, Harrison's decision to go along with murdering Dexter also makes no sense. I understand why Harrison would be upset to know that Dexter killed Logan, but the reality, he doesn't actually know what happened. So Harrison is angry, but... How that leaps to him agreeing to not continue with Dexter and kill him seems inconsistent with the last episode. Dexter literally just saved Harrison's life a few days before and then participated in the kill and disposal of Kurt. But now he has questioning feelings and enough lack of empathy to double back on Dexter and shoot him? In my view, Harrison's behaviour in this moment is more of a twisted psychopath than Dexter ever was. 
Harrison is willing to assume the worst of Dexter, a man who saved his life and provided all the answers to what Harrison was looking for his whole life. But, to be fair, the whole idea of where Harrison was really at was very inconsistent all season. In my view, the fact that in episode 9 he admitted that he felt a release or relief from the kill and was all in with the plan to continue this could not be altered by the smear of blood and the accidental killing of Logan. Harrison, he has empathy for Logan, but not for Dexter, just does not jive. No person could stand there and shoot someone in the chest, point blank, much less their father, and be anything other than 100% deranged. To me, Harrison's character makes no sense. Point four. Angela knows about the Ethan slash episode and presumably has heard Ethan's story. She knows about the broken arm incident, which everyone saw, and in reality would have been a way bigger deal in real life. She has no idea what Harrison's level of involvement is, and she is a by-the-book person as far as we've seen. Yeah, she'll let him run? Huh? What? No. Plus, as a mum, she would likely also be very seriously worried about him going back for Audrey at some point, and perhaps convincing her to go with him. No way she lets him run. No way. Thanks, Craig. Right, so point one, killing Logan. Clyde Phillips confirmed that killing Logan was not what Dexter intended, but an accident when he jerked back from the gunshot. I think we can agree that at that point, Dexter was like a caged animal. His demeanour had changed when he heard that Batista was coming, and he knew things would get tougher. He played his only trump card, telling Angela about Kurt's bodies and manipulated Logan into lowering his guard. I'm glad that he'd not wanted to kill Logan, but the end result was still that he took the life of an innocent, crucial for what came later. The blood on Dexter's face that you referred to, Craig, came from when he yanked Logan, when he pulled on him and, and pulled him face first into the bars, which busted his face a bit. That's where that happened. Point two. Let's all agree again that, <laughs> that this is a TV show about a sociopathic serial killer. It's often been crazy with things it's done, turns it's taken, stuff it's shown. Axel, who was on with me for episode two, he said to me he's always accepted a certain degree of magical realism. And I think we can imagine what he means by that. So indulge me, layer that over the finale. And I'm not saying that's what I've done, but just... just while we're talking now. In the moment, it was just Dexter and Harrison. They didn't know that Angela was inbound. Another minute or two, and Dexter could have taken the option of suicide by cop, if that's the way he wanted to go. It, <laughs> it sure is a screwed up thing to place that burden on your son. No question. I guess in that moment, though, he had, or rather, um, all rational thought... <laughs> had long since departed Dexter's brain and he was thinking purely emotionally. Just take himself out of the equation and allow Harrison the freedom to be his own person without Dexter poisoning him with his dark passenger. Cajoling your son into killing you versus cajoling your son into becoming a serial killer. Well, it's... Is it the lesser of two evils? It is a fucked up situation, no doubt. <laughs> but this show has a history of them, hasn't it? <laughs> we root for a serial killer, for heaven's sake. And as you say, Craig, maybe Harrison will never be quote-unquote normal. He may well always be scarred by this experience. I don't see how he wouldn't, to be honest. Again, a messed-up situation. 
Point three, Harrison choosing to shoot Dexter. Again, it's a messed up situation. We all know that. Harrison's mind was probably reeling. So much to take in from the previous day and a half or so. He's got mental health issues, I'm sure, and that plays a part here as to why he makes the choice. He could have just let Dexter go and take his chances on the run. He'd done what he came to Iron Lake to do, reconnect with his father, get a few answers. He may, he may have realised the sense of being brainwashed by his dad, latching onto his... Uh, latching onto the concept of saving innocent lives by taking out the trash. But this concept should be tenuous to anyone who isn't bloody nuts. <laughs> and very quickly this notion evidently broke down, culminating in the death of Logan, not just an innocent but also a potentially stable father figure for Harrison, for whom wanting a father has been a massive drive for him. I don't know. It, it all adds up to something quite overwhelming for him. You could argue that he wasn't thinking clearly, or you could argue the exact opposite and say he was thinking as clearly as he ever had. Maybe, maybe Harrison is a psychopath, although I don't think so, personally. But I think, I think in that moment, the enormity and gravity of what his father is just hit him like a freight train. Again, though, the letter... That letter informs his decision too, and it will be permanently, indelibly imprinted on his brain. Perhaps all those years of reading that letter over and over kind of uh, indoctrinated him with this notion of let me die so my son can live. I think it, it could have been subconsciously imprinted in his brain so that when the time came, it suddenly made sense. Ah, <laughs> we can go over and over this, can't we? And we probably will all never agree. <laughs> Finally, point four. Angela letting Harrison go. I'm okay with this, honestly. She's a good person. She's also a good cop and a mother. Okay, an adopted daughter, but a mother nonetheless. I think there were some instincts, instincts kicking in there. She didn't blame Harrison for Dex's crimes or what she suspects were his crimes. She wasn't going to see Harrison be punished for the sins of the father, to coin a phrase. The burden of killing his dad would be hard enough to carry with him. Some viewers are saying that she didn't have to send him away, and maybe this is reasonable. Perhaps he didn't need, perhaps he didn't have to leave town for this to play out okay. Maybe she was protecting him from the media circus that would follow. Although, if he goes anywhere near a radio or TV set over the coming days, he'd hear all he needed to. But in the moment, letting him go makes sense to me. But again, we all have our own opinions on this. And we'll hear more about um, the points you've raised from other listeners. Thanks, Craig. See, I told you this was going to go long. <laughs> OK, um, but why not? It's the last time we'll get to do this, isn't it? <laughs> Probably. Stephen Alice in Liverpool uh, used to email quite often back in the day, in the original series, so it's nice to hear from you, Stephen. He says, for all those people moaning about the finale, don't forget the series 8 finale was extremely disappointing, hence why we ended up with a reboot and Dexter New Blood. It seems this ending has left many people disappointed. My question is, what did people expect? They moaned when Dexter walked off into the sunset and now they're unhappy with the fact he was shot by Harrison and died. 
Clearly, Michael C. Hall didn't want to commit to more than one series, so the ending was always going to be his death or a potential trial. If Michael had been committed to continuing the series, we could have had a slow build-up with more interaction with Angel and others as the case against Dexter gathered pace. However, this was not what Michael obviously wanted. The new series couldn't simply lead to him being under suspicion. There had to be a reason for him being suspected to create an ending. The main criticism is that all those years of Dexter effectively ended in 20 minutes. That is a fair criticism in my view, and perhaps more episodes could have developed the ending, but maybe the budget wasn't there for it. In the end, we had some unsolved mysteries, such as how and when did Kurt kidnap Molly? What happened to Olsen, and why was he even in the series? Why did Angela suggest that Dexter's death was officer shooting when the shot came from a rifle not connected to her? How did Logan actually die when the bullet appeared to fire over Dexter's shoulder? Was it another JFK magic bullet incident? The finale was disappointing after episodes 8 and 9, but we had an ending most people had demanded. Main criticism should be it was rushed, which is my main criticism. On a practical level, the evidence against Dexter was zilch. No evidence tying Dexter to the Bay Harbour murders, despite what Angela thought, and the evidence against him for Matt's death, again, was highly circumstantial, hardly sufficient to convict him. Again, with more time, we may have seen more. I, for one, have enjoyed the new series, and if it had gone over more than one series, maybe it could have reached the heights of the early series. Let's just rejoice in the fact that we had ten episodes with some loose ends tied up. Thanks, Stephen. I think that's my main criticism too that you picked up on there, the speed at which things came to an end. I know in real life police investigations can ramp up in an instant when a crucial new piece of evidence comes to light. Things can move fast. And so they did here once Angela found the titanium screw. Broadly though, it still felt a bit too rushed. We said after episode 9, which I still think was the best episode of the season and One of the best ever Dexter episodes, to be honest. But we acknowledged then that there was still a lot of ground to cover, and I think we were concerned then that the finale might be overpacked and rushed. You're right, Stephen, about the evidence against Dexter. We talked about this on the roundtable last week. There was enough doubt to avoid a conviction for Matt's murder, and maybe there's no physical evidence to convict him as the Bay Harbour Butcher. But if he'd not escaped the cell... There was no avoiding the shame of facing his old friend Batista, a potential trial as a serial killer. I don't remember all the evidence that that LaGuerta gathered, but she had enough to label him as prime suspect, and Batista will have read all that in the following years. Dexter's life in Iron Lake would have been over, regardless. We saw what happened to Ethan's family. They had to leave town over something less. He'd also get locked up for the foreseeable future pending trial no doubt and not be able to be there for his son just as they'd finally connected he thought over Kurt's death and his hope to train his son to kill with him as deluded and as screwed up as a concept that is for any sound mind but then who said Dexter was ever in possession of a fully sound mind though he's a serial killer Let's hear from Christina Bailey, who wrote to say, Although I'm heartbroken, this was a poetic and poignant ending for the groundbreaking anti-hero, our dearly departed Dexter. 
Truly, this ending was inevitable, and I prefer it to Dexter sitting on death row for years and dying at the hands of an executioner. I only wish that we'd gotten a couple more episodes, as the last two seemed to be a bit rushed. During this season, the writers were attempting to reveal to the audience just how much Dexter himself fits Harry's code. Most of Dexter's kills this season were motiva motivated by selfish reasons, rather than an attempt to balance the scales of justice. Yeah, that's, that's very true, Christina. That at one point himself, didn't he, to Deb, where she said um, he doesn't fit the code, or something to that effect, and Dexter said this is nothing to do with the code, this is personal. Uh, Christina goes on to say, during episode 9, by actually showing Dexter cutting up Kurt's body while Harrison watched, the writers made me open my eyes and truly see the depravity of Dexter's actions. During the finale, we witnessed Dexter's manipulation and attempted gaslighting of Angela when he said things like, I'm worried about you. While I was still rooting for Dexter to live happily ever after, in the final minutes of the finale when Harrison says to Dexter, open your eyes and look at what you've done, of course a call back to the pilot, and the innocent people who died due to Dexter's choices flashed through Dexter's mind, I began to agree that Dexter needed to die so that Harrison could live, just as Dexter told Hannah in his lovely letter. So too, Harry had to die for Dexter to live. If Harry had lived, his innate sense of justice would have compelled him to turn Dexter into the police. Therefore, Dexter's journey had to end in death in order for Harrison to have a somewhat normal, happy life. Furthermore, Dexter needed to be held account for his brutal crimes. As Shakespeare wrote, these violent delights have violent ends. Thanks, Christina. That quote came up uh, almost weekly in uh, Westworld as well. <laughs> but you know what? I agree with you. Dexter rode his luck so many times and we cheered his successes along the way and there comes a point when we have to remember that he's a goddamn serial killer who does not do it to save innocent lives. Sorry guys, <laughs> he just doesn't. Look at his reaction in episode 9 when Harrison pointed out the innocence Dexter, Dexter had saved. He killed because he liked it. I know some romanticised Dexter as the Dark Defender, like Dexter did himself sometimes, but that's not what drove him. It might have been a fantasy he had about being appreciated for the good that came from what he did. But that's just ego. Narcissism. Sorry, not a great characteristic. Don't get me wrong. Please don't get me wrong. I love the character and I still do. I wouldn't have podcasted all this time if I wasn't invested. His journey has been great. But as we saw in episode 9, the stark reality depicted gruesomely for Harrison and us. It was inevitable that his past would catch up to him and he'd pay the price. It could be by his own hand, which he tried with, 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 with the hurricane. It could be by the justice system, something he'd never want to go through. Or by someone else's hand. You make yourself into a monster so you no longer bear responsibility for what you do. You don't think there are monsters in this world? You don't believe people are evil? You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. I'll show you evil. Shy in Israel emailed in. He thought the episode was good until the end. He agrees with the rushed nature of the finale and didn't like Harrison doing the deed, although he agreed that Dexter deserved to die. He writes, They seem to explain again Dexter surviving the hurricane was a miracle and not something he planned. 
Sometimes I wish the hurricane had taken me, he said in his letter to Hannah. Thing is that in the season 8 finale, he threw his phone to the water prior to sailing into the storm, which makes no sense for someone thinking he's going to die in the hurricane. God, is it too much to expect the writers to watch eight seasons before writing a new one? Thanks for the email, Shy. Yes, Dexter threw his phone away, didn't he? But I think we all agree that they retconned this in New Blood by reframing what happened as Dexter wanting to die, not just disappear. But of course, they couldn't just take back the season eight finale and re-edit it. So the phone stays. On YouTube, uh, there's a comment from someone called Django Esco Ricky. His comments probably lose something with my English accent, but I'll do my best. And maybe this will amuse you. <laughs> Sorry, bruh, but that finale and the overall series was mad corny. If y'all left before the last seasons, that was your decision, but I'm not going to pretend the later seasons weren't great. And after seeing how this played out, y'all really can't say nothing bad about seasons 5 to 8. New Blood went from almost decent to trash. Y'all corny influencers and marketing bots need to stop parroting the narrative about season 8's ending. It was an odd and unpredictable ending, but it wasn't bad. As for New Blood, what, New Blood, what garbage, lol. That Dexter New Blood ending was boring and sucked. Season 8's finale and entire season was way better. Y'all got played and a corny for thinking this boring season was anything but mid, lol. Dexter New Blood overall, 6 out of 10. Was corny and Harrison is a trash character. Original series is 9 out of 10 and had a more entertaining finale. All in all, New Blood had worse writing, poor casting, way too much filler and not enough action or detail compared to the original series. They should have worked harder on this show. Also, Deb didn't even need to be there half the time. She was useless compared to Harry. Now, I'm not sure if Ricky is saying that season 8 was 9 out of 10 or the original series as a whole was 9 out of 10. Either would be pretty generous and I wonder if he'd watched the whole series again recently to have everything fresh in mind. To say New Blood had worse writing, poor casting and too much filler is not something I can agree with at all. The acting from our leads has been fantastic. I'm not sure what filler there was. Some might suggest that the episode with the chase through the forest was unnecessary prolonged, but I enjoyed it, and I know many did. We're all entitled to our opinions, though. That's fine. To say Deb didn't need to be there and was useless compared to Harry, honestly, I'm, I'm wondering how much of the season you absorbed and how much of the original show you remember. It made total sense to me, and I've not heard anyone else um, say anything other than that until now. <laughs> Um, Harry was great and uh, of course Dexter said goodbye to him back in the original series and, and given Dexter's self-loathing and punishing himself into exile as it was originally or trying to kill himself it makes sense for part of his psyche to manifest as Deb but thanks for your comments though uh, for taking the time to do that I'm not saying you're wrong to feel how you feel it's just it just doesn't align at all with how I feel what I would suggest and I mean this Genuinely, maybe go back and do a full rewatch sometime, start to finish and see how you feel. Drop me a line when you do. I'd be interested to know if your thoughts have changed. There you go. That's an offer for you. I'll read it on the podcast. <laughs> OK, moving on. I've had a fantastic email from listener Andrew who says, Seems all those years out of the game have really slowed Dexter down. That's my reasoning for him not being nearly as sharp as he has been in the past. 
I thought it was a decent finale, but the last words in Dexter's letter to Harrison hit it home for me. Harrison is now free to live his own well-rounded and emotionally stable life after murdering his father. I don't think it's necessary to do a follow-up series with Harrison. I think it's safe to assume he'll be in therapy in the court system for a long time. A house with a family, dog, white picket fence is probably not in Harrison's future, though I do wish the lad luck. Jack Alcott did a tremendous job. For all I've just written about Harrison, I do hope a weight's been lifted off him and he finds happiness eventually. Probably still in some sort of therapy or rehab though. I liked how they tied the whole series together, but I did want to see a Batista. I did want to see Batista come face to face with Dexter. A much improved final season of Dexter. He got the ending he deserved, and I suspect that we one that we all knew was coming. He was at peace, he couldn't fight or run anymore. He knew he fit the code and accepted his fate. I would have liked to have seen more ramifications from Kirk Caldwell's bad behaviour. In the end, he was only a distraction, it seems. As an aside, Dexter and your podcast hold a special place for me. And then Andrew goes on to say how dissecting Dexter helped him through a particularly tough period in his life back in 2012. The days when I did all my recording from the mobile studio or even just out in the countryside <laughs> at the side of a field. Andrew says how much he was amused by that. He says hearing my friendly voice on the podcast was a nice distraction from the challenges of what was going on in his real life. And with Dexter's return several years on and listening to Dissecting Dexter again, it's taken him back, but he's now in a much better place. You know... Andrew, when, when I started this podcast 12 years ago, it was a creative outlet for me, talking about a TV show I enjoyed. And I just hoped that I'd get maybe 50 or 100 listeners, just a few who found some interest in what I had to say. That happened, and I was so happy to see that people were listening to me. Me, little old me. And even happier when I started getting a few emails. People like Matt Cook... Travis, Casper, I shouldn't list names really because there will be a few listening now who will have also sent in comments back then and go, ooh, didn't mention me. But you know who you are and know that I appreciate you. But then I'd get an iTunes review, a mention on Twitter, a Facebook like. It was all nice validation for what I was doing. I never needed anything more than that. Obviously, things have grown over the years, and despite the hiatus of a few years when I stepped back from podcasting altogether, we've all got back together these last few months, and it's been brilliant. It's taken me back too. But to hear that my humble ramblings about a TV show recorded in my lunch hour sitting in the car in the heart of rural North Yorkshire, England, <laughs> to hear that they've helped someone through a dark time in their life it just blows my mind. It does. This whole thing is not ego-driven at all. I don't want fame or accolades. I just love hearing your feedback. And so many of you have reached out lately to say how much you've enjoyed the podcast. And that's just tremendous to hear. And I thank you all. To you, Andrew, I read your email, which went into more detail than I've read out here. I read it minutes, literally minutes after the New Blood finale. Um, and it really caught me off guard. <laughs> I had to wait a few minutes before reading it to my wife. I couldn't read it out loud. It's just so humbling, and I'm so touched to know that I've helped you in some way, and I'm so glad 
that you've come through the tough times and, and find yourself in a much better place now. All the best to you and your family. Phew, right. <laughs> Let me take a breather while we hear from Kim in Las Vegas. I believe one of the main questions this show has been asking is, does Dexter fit his own code? And I definitely think he does, because he has killed innocents before, and they really emphasized it this time around with him killing Logan. Some people have speculated, would we like to have somebody like Dexter in the real world? And all these people said, yeah, yeah, that'd be great killing bad people. But the thing is, human beings always want to survive. Why wouldn't Dexter want to survive? And how is he going to survive if he's somebody who kills and he enjoys it and he wants to keep doing it? And something or someone gets in his way, he's going to stop it. So this was how it was always going to end in my mind, though I'm still shocked that they pulled the trigger, literally and figuratively, and went ahead and had his own son end his life. And I don't think his life could have ended by anybody else's hands. I don't think he should have gone to jail and all of that. That would just never be fitting for Dexter. This just seemed like the right thing to do and for Dexter to realize that in the end. And Harrison still had enough love for his father that he put him down. It's a weird, interesting, beautiful kind of love story, really twisted. It's sad to see this show go, but I don't think it could have gone on any longer and I don't think it could have ended any other way. Thanks, Kim. A nice voice of reason there. Why wouldn't Dexter want to fight tooth and nail to make sure he survives? Why wouldn't he? And how would a killer go about doing that? Okay, the writers had to clarify the way the Logan kill was carefully edited, but on first watch, I just assumed he killed him when Logan reached for the gun. Like, he gave him no option. I do like how you sum up the ending. It, it is a weird kind of father-son love story, but in the world of Dexter, the TV show, would we really expect anything less than that? Okay, an email from Tara who says, First of all, thank you for taking the time to do the podcast each week. I wasn't around when the original series aired, but with my second watch through, I was able to enjoy your work from before and now with the new series too. I look forward to your podcast just as much as the show itself. The generosity and kindness you show your listeners is a joy. Truly, thank you. Thanks, Tara. I love that. <laughs> Once I started getting feedback from listeners, I always wanted to make sure I gave it the proper attention and I love that people enjoy me going through it all and responding to you. I certainly enjoy it and I'm glad you do too. Anyway, Tara continues. After I've watched the finale... Sorry, I'll start that again. <laughs> she, Tara continues. I've watched the finale a few times now and I'm happy with how it ended. The best stories are often not happy endings after all. Of course, no one is happy that Dexter is gone, but how many more seasons can a show go on with integrity? Do we want to have Dexter 18 seasons, like, like Grey's Anatomy or other two long-lived series, until we're so sick and tired of him that we want to kill him off ourselves? Nah, I personally thought this was an apt way for Dexter to go out. With the injustice that was shown to Dokes, the disgrace LaGuerta had to endure and Lundy's untimely death, Dexter finally being unveiled for who he really was by plain good police gut instinct seemed to be fitting. Yeah, yeah, I know the ketamine snafu, lame Google searches, etc. don't usually take down serial killers. 
Angelo was pretty badass, even so, if you ask me. Let's just suspend reality for a second and enjoy the show for once. Once the blinders were off, Angela saw Dexter just like Dokes saw him and he was never going to convince her otherwise. Ghost Deb was right. Angela had her teeth in him and because of this, Dexter went immediately into don't get caught mode. Killing Logan was the point of no return. It didn't even matter that he wouldn't have been able to convince Angela. That was where he lost Harrison for good. There was no other way for it to end after that. One more thought about Runaways. I found it interesting that there was a parallel in the way that Kurt killed his victims and the way Dexter ultimately met his end. Dexter was also a runaway. Harrison didn't pick up the gun until Dexter turned to run away yet again, just like he did when Harrison was little, just like he did every day for 10 years. Turn, trigger. But this time, Dexter, like his many victims before him, had to do an about face and truly look at what he had done and to finally look at his own gallery of innocent victims. No more running away from the truth, no more dark passenger justifications. Thanks, Tara. You know, if Scott Reynolds is listening, and I hope he is, I know that he was planning to listen to last week's review, I'm sure that he'll be sitting there now delighted that you picked up on a parallel between Kurt killing runaways and Dexter as a runaway. Harrison only pointing the rifle after Dexter turned to leave. There was also a parallel in this scene in how Dexter made his first kill in eight years, killing Matt after the death of the innocent deer, compared with Harrison here killing Dexter after the death of innocent Logan. And as Kim from Las Vegas pointed out a few minutes ago, Dexter fitted the code quite perfectly. I don't think these points are accidental. I think the writers knew what they were doing when they crafted these moments. Your other comments, a lot of them echo my own feelings about the episode. Thanks for getting in touch. You made me compromise everything about myself that I care about. And I hate you for it. I shot the wrong person in the trailer. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. I shot the wrong person in that trailer. We've got more emails. Hooray! Let's see who this one's from. It is from Paul Smith, who says, First off, let me say thank you for all the work you've put in over the years. It's been entertaining following along. I've been a bit of a lurker, but felt compelled to write in after seeing all the hatred online after the finale. It's quite sad people think it's okay to treat others in such a way. If you didn't enjoy this season or portions of it, that's fair, but to regurgitate the same negative narrative over and over in every single Dexter New Blood thread on Twitter or Instagram is disrespectful and honestly lazy. Come up with a new angle. As for the show, overall, I enjoyed this season quite a bit. Leading into the finale, I really didn't know how I wanted it to end. However, in hindsight now, they couldn't let Dex move on. As he said, this is the only way out. Another storyline in another city would, would get stale quickly. Listening to Michael C. Hall and Jack and Scott on the wrap-up pod made me, subtle, made me see subtle parts in the finale too, which did make me appreciate it more. Once he killed Logan, albeit accidentally, if it matters, you pretty much knew it was the end for him and honestly, it made me ready for it. Then they drove home the point with a quick montage of all the innocent people, not including all their families, that had been affected due to Dexter. 
it wasn't perfect, but so what? Not many things in life are. I still liked it better than the original ending. Thanks, Paul. Nice comments. Again, many of them echoing my own thoughts, both on the show and social media. You mentioned the Wrap Up podcast. Again, anyone who hasn't heard the last two, definitely go and have a listen. Even if you were left upset by the finale, have a listen. They just might shed a new light on it for you. Okay, Vanessa Rams has emailed to say, Wow, what a finale. I loved it. I don't know why there is so much, so many people upset about it. I mean, was the pacing fast and a little rushed? Sure, but overall I think it worked really well and it came full circle. I loved both interrogations Angela had with Dexter, seeing Dexter really unhinged and doing all he had to do to get away and to his son was great. And the end, the conversation with Harrison was so brilliant and so emotional. Watching Dexter try to say everything possible to get Harrison on board was hard to watch and coming to terms that he really can't ever fight the dark passenger off and he is truly the villain. Wow. And then hearing Dex read the letter we wondered about in voiceover puts it all in perspective and when he says, let me die so my son can live, full circle. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Thanks, Vanessa. I'm glad you enjoyed it. The polls I've seen suggest maybe two thirds of people, or you could say people who felt inclined to vote, <laughs> thought it was awful. From the feedback I've received here, it's nowhere near that. In fact, none of the feedback I've had has been from anyone who outright hated it. Based on this as a sample of, shall we say, grounded, long-term fans of the show, if Scott's listening, I hope he can take heart from that. Hi, Gareth. This is Sarah from New York, just calling in about the Dexter finale we've all been waiting for. Um, overall, I know I've seen a lot, a lot of hate for it online. A lot of fans are not happy. I feel okay about it. Um, I do think it was a little bit predictable in the end. I mean, I really didn't have any doubt that Harrison was going to kill Dexter, especially by the end of last episode, but I wasn't as disappointed as I think some people were. Um, a few things that I did like about it, I did like the Hello Dexter Morgan line that Angela had. Um, it was a nice contrast in a way to where it came up in the beginning of the season. Um, also, I did like the appearance of Batista again. I, I missed seeing him, and I was wondering if he was going to show up in some fashion this episode. Um, a little bit disappointed that they didn't actually bring him in at any point, because the episode ended before any of that could come to fruition. Um, I did not really enjoy the way that... Dexter's character kind of seemed to be devolving. I didn't find him charming when he was being questioned at all. I found him kind of arrogant. Um, I know that he put up a good lie about everything with Matt, um, but I also, I just didn't like it. I wasn't a fan of him anymore. I was really just like, okay, they're setting us up to not like him anymore as a character. Um, I wasn't sure if they had ever mentioned Harrison being around during the time of Dexter chasing the deer. I guess we did get a little bit of 
a perspective on somebody watching him at that time, but maybe he did see some of it. Maybe he did see Dexter murder Matt, because when Logan asked him, we got a little bit of a flash. I didn't realize that was going to be anything so interesting. Um, when Dexter and Angela were both looking at the moon, I kind of liked that as a callback to um, Rita, the night that she died, when they both were looking up at the moon, and that was part of her her voicemail to him, of course. Um, that was also, I was reminded by another podcast, actually, that the moon was a big thing in the Dexter books. I read the Dexter books a long time ago, but I had totally forgotten that. So anytime we see the moon, that's also a callback to the books. Um, I know in your interview with Scott Reynolds last week, you had asked him about the ketamine and M99 discrepancy. I honestly don't think that what he explained really tracks as far as it goes with this episode. Angela specifically said, oh, it's the same drug that was in the tox report. So wouldn't the tox report be official? Um, seeing as she was able to look at the crime scene photos, you would think she would be able to look at the official tox report. So seems like they kind of just messed up on the writing and maybe Scott Reynolds wanted to make an excuse for it. I don't know. Um, the... Shadow Deborah was a little bit interesting. Um, I think I liked it um, when Dexter was in the jail cell and then he finally yells enough at her and then that's kind of when he, I guess, loses his way when he kills Officer Logan totally out of character um, and really where he just loses everything at that point, I think. It's the beginning of his downfall. Um... And I know we've debated, I mentioned it in my last voicemail to you, does Dexter deserve to die? Does he fit the code? Um, now more than ever, I guess. He no, not only is a killer, he kills an innocent person. Um, and I also noticed that his motivation to get away when he gave Harrison that hug in the jail um, is that, you know, we'll get through this because the world needs us. He didn't say, like, I need to be with you or I love you, I... Um, I'll be there for you. He just, I think he just gets the thrill out of training him to kill people. Um, so then, of course, as predicted, Chekhov's gun, we actually see it right in the background, and once they showed it in the background, I knew that that was going to be it. They had to bring that gun in for a reason, and that reason was to kill Dexter, um, a few lines that Harrison had that were really poignant were, um, he said, well, it's not even a passenger, it's fucking driving. Excuse my language. Um, which is just so true. It's, Dexter has this delusion that, you know, his dark passenger is just this thing that pops up every once in a while, but really it does control his entire life. And then when Dexter says, I can stop and you can help me, Harrison comes right back and says, I'm not your caretaker, I'm your son. And that reminded me a lot of what Deb said in the beginning of the season about how Harry didn't do any favors when he taught Dexter how to be a killer. He was abusive. It was child abuse. Instead of getting him to therapy and getting him help, he showed him how to be this murderer. 
And now Dexter is expecting his son to kind of take care of him in a different way. And it's like he's not taking responsibility for anything because he's never been able to, he's never been expected to do that. Um, So I thought that was a really important line. And then finally, Harrison says to him, open your eyes and look what you've done. Now I knew that line sounded familiar. And when I looked it up, it was from season one, episode one, where Dexter kills that choir director who murdered the boys, and he says that exact line, open your eyes and look at what you've done, when he shows him those dead bodies there. And then that's when we see Dexter kind of go through the images of all the people whose deaths he's responsible for that were innocent people, you know, LaGuerta, Dokes, Rita, of course, Deb, all those people who died who were not supposed to die, but they died because of Dexter. Um, So I really did like that exchange there. I, like I said, overall, I felt that it was a good episode, not great. I really wish there was one or two more episodes so that it wouldn't feel so rushed. I I don't mind the fact that Dexter was killed. I don't mind the fact that Harrison did it. I think that I'm happier with that rather than if, say, Angela killed him or Officer Logan or anybody else. I think Um, It was a really important mirror type of scene where Dexter did talk him through the kill. So it was sort of like, this is your first kill and this person deserves it, so it's okay that you do this. I'm, I'm going to die and there's no other way around it. Um, so I'm looking forward to hearing everybody else's thoughts on this, um, and also... As of now, I haven't heard the Scott Reynolds announcement that's supposed to be made on Monday. I'm sending this to you on Sunday night after the episode is aired, so looking forward to that and to hearing the rest of your episode. So thank you for all of the podcasts, and I hope you enjoy. Thanks, Sarah. Loads of great observations in there. You bring up Dexter devolving and that you didn't like it. I think that was their intention, and you suggest this. For us to see him at his worst, which we kind of also did last week at the Kurt kill table, when we take a step back and look at the scenario as a whole, Dexter really is the villain here. You could argue that they were a little heavy-handed in sending us that message, but then... He's arguably always been kind of a villain in that he's a murderer. (laughs) We've just been complicit throughout the show, cheering at his triumphs, taking out the trash, sad at his failures, laughing at his his social awkwardness and and his internal commentary. He's been our, our protagonist in this show. My wife has always found the kill tables her least favourite bits. She never liked seeing Dexter murder people like that, and I think that discomfort is right. It's a normal human response to draw back from murder and murderers, yet in this show, we love Dexter. We understand where he came from and where he's been trying to get to, at least during the original show. Now, here he is, acting like an out-and-out bad guy. Yes, he's, he's trying to get to his son, but he's prepared to step on anyone who gets in his way. 
He even gets close to grabbing a knife when Angela's arresting him. It's jarring for us, but, well, it's, it's a harsh wake-up call, perhaps. I suspect this is where a lot of the upset has perhaps come from online. Not all of it, but quite a bit, I would say. Some even said, this is not the Dexter I know, which is odd, <laughs> because Dexter's always been a killer. He's just not been in the habit of killing innocents, although, as we saw, he has been responsible for innocent deaths, we know that. He has often acted selfishly, though, and, and lied and, and deceived and manipulated. He behaves like a classic addict, asking Harrison to help him at the end there, help him stop killing. Harrison says, I'm not your caretaker. That's after Dexter's essentially been grooming his own son into becoming his kind of kill partner and under, under false pretenses, which Harrison realises. That's a parent teaching their son to be a bloody killer. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm maybe labouring the point and I, I apologise if that's coming if it's coming across that way that I'm labouring this point. And I'm not picking on you at all, Sarah, but I do think it's a point worth digging into as it's as it was a key aspect of the finale and, and has been a sore point for many angry folk out there on social media. I'm glad you brought up the deer, Sarah. In the first episode, it was clear someone had followed Dexter in the woods. We saw Dexter turn and we, and we saw some movement and then we saw some footprints in the snow. I thought afterwards that it would be Harrison, which then begged the question whether he was still following when the white deer was shot. Did he see that too? They don't show it in the flashback here though, so I suspect maybe not, or they would have included it. I don't want to delve into the, the M99 ketamine controversy again really, although it is still a fair point. Despite what Scott said the other week, it should have been a bit more explicit in the show, recognising that many fans will know ketamine wasn't the drug of choice in the original series. I know why I don't really want to delve into it anymore, though. If I'm being honest, it, it still doesn't sit completely well with me either. At the end of the day, we have to decide for ourselves what we are willing to let slide and what we can't in order for us to maximise our enjoyment of the show. The discrepancy is irritating and I wish it hadn't happened, but it's there. It could be explained but it wasn't explained in the show. I don't know. I just said I didn't want to delve into it again, and I am, aren't I? <laughs> but it's still a big problem, a big problem for many people. It's not a deal breaker for me. I can look back and feel that I've enjoyed the season. There's just a little asterisk in my head and a footnote marked at the bottom of the page. It's marked M99. I'll say no more about it. <laughs> Thanks very much, Sarah bit of a podcast within a podcast there but it's great to hear your thoughts and it's got my cogs wearing too so it's all good and that's what I was really excited to do with this feedback podcast and why it was good that it worked out that the review was separate because it gives me an opportunity and some breathing room to sort of ruminate my own thoughts and bounce off you guys and I know you guys enjoy listening to that as well and, and hearing each other's thoughts so hey this is what we're doing it's the finale feedback fiesta hooray 
Okay, so that cringy bit over with. Um, I might edit that out, or I might forget. <laughs> Let's hear some reason. Let's hear the voice of reason from Bruce in Australia. And I'm not referring to you, Sarah. I'm talking. I'm self-deprecating my own waffle and garbage that I come out with. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Bruce, he says, I just want to say that I'm fine with Dexter dying. Even when I watched the show during the original run, I always thought that he would either die or go to jail at the end. This is a show about a serial killer, so either option seemed like the logical conclusion. But the way it was executed in New Blood's finale was awful in my opinion. Everything was rushed and it just didn't feel satisfying. I didn't buy how Angela found out about Dexter. The M99 ketamine retcon didn't make any sense. Angela connecting Dexter to the Bay Harbour Butcher felt so rushed and circumstantial that it drained the central conflict of the tension it should have been generating. Dexter killing his friend Logan, who is innocent, was completely out of character and a decision he would never make. There was no need to do it, as he easily could have just knocked Logan out. Dexter has certainly bent the code in the past, but this was far too extreme. Can't believe that there wasn't a face-to-face -face conversation between Batista and Dexter. Why did the writers set that up with Batista saying that he was on his way and not follow through with it? I'm not against the idea of Harrison killing his father, but the way we got there was just poorly written and it needed another season to get to that point. A season-long build-up where he starts having doubts and inner conflict about his father instead of everything changing out of nowhere in the last ten minutes. I'm sad that there was never a manhunt season. I always thought that the intensity of season two was just a taste of what the final season was going to be like. The OG Miami Metro crew, Batista, Quinn, Masuka and Matthews, and the FBI all going after Dexter whilst he's trying to evade them would have been so good. Also, to have a courtroom murder trial that goes through all of Dexter's victims in the show with the public's reaction and the opposing views of those who are for and against him, would have been great to see Dokes' name be cleared as well. The IMDb rating for the season 8 finale is 4.6. As of writing this email, the rating for New Bloods, for New Bloods 1 is also at 4.6. Unfortunately, Dexter's legacy is that it's going to be remembered as the show that had two extremely divisive finales, which makes me sad. Thanks, Bruce. You know... I think Dexter, Dexter had Logan in a sleeper hold and probably meant to knock him out. Logan could have put up no resistance, given him the keys and let himself go. It was only him firing his gun that led to his death. You could fairly argue, though, that Dexter not intending on killing Logan could have been made more explicit, as anyone who didn't hear the wrap-up wouldn't know that that was the case. Like I said, to me, it just looked like he broke his neck in response to the gun being pulled. I don't know, what might have Dexter intended? I suppose he could have... Maybe he was going to just restrain Logan, get the keys, unlock the cell door and maybe put Logan in there, relieve him of his gun and be on his way. Maybe he was meaning to choke Logan out. We'll never know. But what the writers have said is that Dexter had not set out to kill Logan and it was accidental and a, a, a reaction to the gun going off. 
Logan could also have just gone along with it and not put up resistance. If he hadn't pulled his gun, he'd still be alive. The setup with Batista, that was a plot device to me, just to motivate Dexter to try and escape. You could see in the interview how the mention of it by Angela changed the whole mood. Dexter's demeanour, that black look that he gave, that put urgency on Dexter needing to get the heck out of there. Having them meet would have meant him hanging around overnight. On the other hand, an alternative suggested last week on the podcast, uh, Travis, I think, suggested that rather than Angela drop Batista's name, she could have said about the butcher, here's someone who knows a lot more about than, about it than I do. Meet your old friend Angel. Ta-da! <laughs> and in he walks. Face-to-face fan service satisfied. Urgency established. Angel could have gone with Angela to Kurt's bunker for support, leaving Logan to still be killed and Dexter escape. Yeah, it's fan fiction at this point, of course, and not the story the writers gave us. I do agree that Harrison's turn was pretty quick. Honestly, for me, and and this is all, all these opinions are so personal to us, aren't they, as individuals? And I'm not asking you to agree with me. This is just me and what sits comfortably with me I can rationalize it in my own head like I've already talked about today it's a fucked up situation (laughs) with two damaged people one more damaged than the other of course I, I don't want to keep repeating the same points but I do accept that it was fast another episode would have allowed it to fester a bit longer in Harrison's mind or like you suggest a whole second season as a manhunt. It would well and truly break the formula for a Dexter season and allow other things to happen, conversations to be had, more revelations to come out, I don't know, more twists and turns we've not even thought of. Things that would have perhaps earned Harrison's turn for those who didn't like how it did happen. But of course this series, they never pretended this this was season one of New Blood. It was always... A limited series. I, I guess they kind of set their stall out and, and maybe tried to manage our expectations as much as they could. Michael C. Hall in interview said this was a definitive ending and how else could we interpret that? There's only one way really. And in fact when I heard he'd said it I thought, ah oh, shit, that means he's going to die at the end. <laughs> it's just a question of how we got there and who did it I suppose and, and how it happened. The negativity in the fan base, not just the knee-jerk toxicity that we've seen on social media, but also the reasoned constructive criticism here, and that I've read in other places. Bruce, it makes me sad too, and although we're all pretty much universally, or we were pretty much universally enjoying the season, up to and including episode nine, that fantastic episode nine that we all pretty much loved, I think. The finale was so divisive. At least we can discuss it sensibly here, but I'm really sorry that that we're not all dancing about together at a fantastic conclusion. How great would that have been to have all been on the same page, but wishful thinking, I suppose, because we all bring our own expectations, don't we? It's inevitable that it wouldn't have been 100% loved. Has that ever happened? There may be some shows we can list that were fairly close. But some awesome shows that that did have 
slightly divisive finales. I hope that those who didn't like the finale, I, I hope they can still look back on nine good episodes, which is more than many would say for season eight. Yeah, thanks for all your great emails this year, Bruce. I heard from Des, who emailed to say, whether we like it or not, Dexter's demise was inevitable. I know we love him and want him to be happy, but we have to face the facts. Dexter was happiest when he was killing. He had love, romance, family and children, but he'd, he chose killing over family every time. He never chose family and love. The way he finds happiness is the monstrous act of murder, of torturing his victims with what they've done, yet he cannot he himself cannot face what he has done. And when Harrison called him out with his own words, it felt justified. Every chance Dexter had to connect with his son, he squandered. Every opening that Harrison gave him, Dexter wasted. Over and over again, Dexter abandoned him, just like he did on that couch in therapy. In his final moments, he was ready to abandon him again. He chose killing and not just for himself. When he surrenders, he forces Harrison's hand. He was determined to make his son a killer just like him, one way or another. He passed the cursed torch and died in his favourite way, kill or be killed. Dexter's failure to learn about relationships, truly learn, not mimic, is what ended him. If he had paid attention, he would have picked up on Angela sensing the monster in him. I know the audience has complained about lazy writing, but what the writers have done is create believable people. We don't share information when it's most important and it does cause a chain reaction of events. And so I ask you this, what are things in life that we are withholding when we are being our own lazy writers? Angela withholding her theory and research is her flaw. If she had let Logan in, it could have saved his life. Instead, he became the sacrificial lamb, another innocent life lost because Dexter will do anything to escape his biggest fear, being caught. And let's be real, he was caught. It doesn't matter if the evidence was circumstantial. Angel Batista was on his way. That was why Dexter got reckless. They were going to bring him back to Florida and make sure he publicly paid for his crimes. They set out to wrap up the series and answer the question, what happened to Dexter Morgan? This is where they misled the audience. We don't care that he was killed. Well, I mean, we care a little. But it was more important to see Angel confront Dexter, to watch his confession. That moment of intimacy was instead shared with Harrison, who rightly calls him out on his shit, who rightly brings up the innocent lives lost so he could get away. But because the audience spent eight years with Batista and only nine episodes with Harrison, it doesn't feel satisfying. What made this episode so sad was that there, were, there was no adventure in it. There was no exciting, will he get away? Instead, it was a series of inevitable, heartbreaking moments. They wanted to break the internet, but instead they broke our hearts. As for Harrison, well, he's headed west. I'm glad Angela let him go, probably headed to LA, the last place his father mentioned. He is once again on his own, forever on the run. It's been quite a ride. I think it's okay he broke our hearts. He was a monster after all, and we humans love monsters until we don't, until they hurt us. But what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, and we must heed Dexter's final words. We must let him die.
Thanks, Des. That's a great email. You've summed things up really well here. You know what? I should have had you on the show last week. <laughs> you, you've got some really great insight here. You're right about the character of Dexter, about how bad stuff can happen when we hold back information. And you were also right how there was no adventure in this episode. And that's not a criticism, is it? We very quickly found ourselves on a slippery slope of inevitability and you could just sense the ending coming. You also point out a possible reason why many felt cheated by this episode and I'm becoming more and more convinced that Batista should have made it to Iron Lake. There's definitely a strong argument for it and how an intimate confessional scene with Angel, aptly named here, would have had a different emotional resonance than the closing one with Harrison, although they could have had something similar. That said, Angel is a friend, while Harrison is Dexter's flesh and blood, father-son. That is a very powerful dynamic in anyone's book. Thanks so much for your voicemails and feedback this season. I hope you stick around for the rewatch podcasts when I start back with those. I've had an email from Chaitanya Kulkarni who says, When you start a show with a serial killer as a hero, you just cannot have a happy ending to the show. So the ending they, come up, they came up with for New Blood was not just a better ending than the earlier one, but also one which provided the much-needed closure which was needed for the show. Harrison being the one to do the honours of finishing the hero was like a poetic ending. Make no mistake, I am sad that there will be no more Dexter, regardless of whether... They create a Harrison spin-off, which I personally am not enthused about, but would love to see what they come up with. Or they leave it as it is, but at least I'm able to make peace with myself that it was a logical ending. Writing an ending to such a wonderful show is never easy, because anything you try, people are bound to get upset, as we can see with the reactions on Twitter now, and extremely low yet astonishing rating on IMDb. Yet, if you think about it, taking a deep breath, I'm not sure you could end the show with a better ending than that. Sure, there were a couple of plot holes, a, flu, a few unexplored storylines, and lots of things happening within the last two episodes which, episodes, which gave it a feeling that it was slightly rushed at the end when they could have taken a few more episodes, but overall the ending made sense. While Dexter did serve the code a majority of times, there were quite a few times where he knowingly, or unknowingly, didn't follow the same and got away with it. While he was responsible for saving many innocent lives by removing the bad guys, he was also directly or indirectly responsible for the deaths of so many good people. So, to say he was a pure soul committed to his dark defender persona without his vices would be a mistake. Also, he did what he did because of his urges to do it and because he liked it and not because of some ulterior motive. His dad did a great job in giving him a code and making sure he followed it. So as to reduce the damage caused, and credit to Dexter too for following it earnestly. But to say that he sacrificed his urges, getting caught, just to make sure the code wasn't broken would be a na naive thing to say. So anyways, the point behind writing all that was just to point out to the premise before the last scene and why it was justifiable. In fact, when Harrison had the gun in the last scene, my mind flashed back to the Deb, Dexter and LaGuerta scene, with Deb having the gun in her hand. 
Same parallels drawn, but with a different outcome. It was just like the producers were trying to say, you saw what happened with Deb, we're not going to let the same thing happen to Harrison. Last but not least, the thing I was impressed with most about the ending was that it showed that the conscience part was still alive. At the end of the day, they are risking a huge drop in their ratings, and yet they preferred showing what was right and not what would sell. So they made me really happy that they are sensitive to the impact it may have on society in general. It really showed that, hey, this is not the path you should walk on, and that the bad things and that bad things may happen to you and those close to you eventually if you go down this path. Thanks for that. Some good thoughts that I can only agree with. I think all of us as fans of the show, we know who Dexter really is. We just chose to overlook his true dark nature to be able to root for him and enjoy following his adventures. And perhaps it's human nature when we look at someone who is troubled that we hope they may find a way out of it or find redemption or whatever. Perhaps Dexter sacrificing himself to release Harrison was his redemption doing the most selfless thing imaginable. We can still debate whether it was rushed and so on, but for my view of the character of Dexter, this was a culmination of all that he's been through, bearing in mind the end of season eight when he realised that he, he brings doom to everyone he cares about, as Deb reminded him earlier in New Blood. Then here he is faced with his son and seeing him struggle with his own darkness, like you, I'm good with it. Thanks for that. Holly Robertson has some similar thoughts to some of those we've been hearing already. I loved it, she says. I'm simultaneously satisfied and devastated. Harrison was able to call Dexter out on his bullshit. It's been said many times before how Dexter's code, notwithstanding, he'd have been a killer regardless. The code gave him an excuse to justify what he was doing, along with preventing apprehension by the police. Dexter has broken the code in the past, never dwelling on it for more than an episode. This time, his son was the one to see him for the monster he truly was. I find it poetic that he and Rita's child was the one to finally break the cycle. Because let's be real, what Harry did was child abuse, and Dexter was all too eager to continue that abuse. Dexter's d Harrison's darkness was not the same as Dexter's, and I believe that although having to kill his dad will no doubt be his own trauma, there is a possibility that, with therapy, Harrison could work through his issues and be happy. Many people were surprised and took issue with Dexter killing Logan, but earlier in the episode, when he almost reached for the knife during his arrest, I knew all bets were off. He became a cornered animal in that moment. The only reason he didn't harm Angela is because he realised he was outnumbered. I loved seeing Batista again, and when he said he was on his way to Iron Lake, my husband and I both screamed, "Oh shit, son! <laughs> it seems like that's what went through Dexter's mind as well when he found out. There was a very noticeable tonal shift after Angela dropped that bomb. My only regret is that we didn't get to see Dexter and Batista face off. Thanks, Holly. Yes, Dexter was becoming Harry in a way, wasn't he? And looking to encourage Harrison to become Dexter. Thanks for the email. Hello, Gareth. This is Axel, your one-time guest co-host on Dissecting Dexter. Hopefully again in the future, I am giving you some feedback on the finale. First off, thank you for a wonderful season. Um, listening to your podcast has been just as enjoyable 
as watching the show, and you did a fantastic job, pal. And I am really pleased to see all the success you've having the big guns on the pod and you going on the big pod and all that kind of stuff. I I think that's just fantastic. Well, what did I think of this episode? I really liked it. I really liked the end. I enjoyed the episode. I felt Harrison killing Dexter was the right thing to happen. I think it made sense for the show. It makes sense for the show going forward because I, as we discussed when I was on, I think there's definitely going to be another season. Maybe jump forward a couple years with Harrison. Dexter comes back as his ghost and, you know, all that kind of stuff, just like uh, Deb was this season. So we kind of get that continuation Give us a new place, you know, stuff like that. I think that'd be fun. Maybe even, I mean, the kid looks like he could be 15 and he also looks like he could be 30. So I think if you put a little stubble on his face, you could, he could be married with kids and we jumped forward, but you know, or something like that. But, um, overall I enjoyed the episode. I thought there was a good payoff with um, the finding of the girls. And I think it just, it really did a great job of tying up all the loose ends throughout this season. And I know there's some consternation about the end. The one thing that did bother me a little bit was I wish they had made it more clear before Dexter killed Coach that he felt that trapped because I was under the impression that he thought by revealing uh, all the women that Kurt killed, he would somehow be able to get out of the situation and blame it all on Kurt. So that confused me. But as I thought about it more, I thought, well, I was bringing my own notion into it. And I think it is kind of clear that he was pretty much screwed. There was nothing he could have done to get out of either the murders he had committed there or being uh, the Bay Harbor butcher and especially um, with his old pal showing up the next morning, which I'm sad we didn't get to see him. But overall, I really enjoyed the season. I really enjoyed this episode. And I guess that's all I got. I look forward to another season of you dissecting Dexter. And I hope if there is another season that you return and hopefully I can come on and we can chat about Dexter again. Thank you, Gareth. And thank you all the listeners. Thanks, Axel. There's always something very soothing about listening to your voice. For those who don't know, Axel did a Lost Theory podcast back in the day and played no small part in inspiring me to start my own podcast. Axel, my friend, you've always been a great support to me in my podcasting journey, and I'm grateful for that. Anyone wanting to check out Axel's work, pop over to dvrpodcast.com for a full library of podcasts. As for a Harrison spin-off, I'm not too keen on it, especially if he ends up a killer. For me, it would undermine the way this episode ended. But who's to say? If they come up with a good idea that works for me, I'll be all in. And podcasting about it. (laughs) Probably. Belinda has emailed to say, I get that there were issues with the writing, the timing and the drop threads. Nevertheless, I was able to enjoy the episode fully. 
I was captivated by it and I feel sorry for the people that didn't enjoy it. I was going to launch into a whole thing about actions having consequences here, but there are a multitude of ways that you can justify why Dexter had to meet his end and why it was fitting that he met it this way. When, when Harrison pointed the rifle at him, I cried. When they showed Rita and Deb, I sobbed. I was taken out of the moment a little bit then, asking why does Harrison have to run? They could easily claim self-defence. But I came back around listening to the letter and the last line. So beautiful. I'm a little baffled also by Clyde Phillips saying on the wrap-up pod that Logan's death was accidental. I don't think that was clear at all. Anyway, I'm not here to complain. The ending was fitting, it was lovely, and I was deeply affected by it. I, I say kudos to the writers and Michael C. Hall, a tour de force. Let the awards roll in. Side note, I wished I'd written in for episode 9. The little phrase Dexter said while walking into Angela's house after his cabin burned down about a damn fine cup of coffee was a Twin Peaks nod and I will die on that hill. I don't recall anyone mentioning it. Finally, to end, your podcast is wonderful. Once I discovered it, I only paused it to sleep. Thank you for putting such care into it all these years. You're the best, Gareth. Oh, thanks, Melinda. More lovely comments. <laughs> I'm so lucky to have such a fantastic bunch of listeners. Seeing all that brutal outrage on social media last week, I opened my email box to see some criticism, but all thoughtfully composed, all rational and well-reasoned. And it just made me smile and feel proud of you guys. I hope that doesn't sound patronising. It's not meant to be. I just feel lucky to have the audience that I do. Melinda, I'm so glad you found the finale so emotionally affecting. I found it more powerful the second time, weirdly, when I knew the ending was coming. But maybe that's because I'd already had a chance to think about it. Thanks for bringing up the Twin Peaks reference. I meant to mention that at the time. You and I spoke offline about this, but I was a huge Twin Peaks fan back in the day. I loved Agent Cooper and had a big crush on Audrey Horn. <laughs> I watched every episode with a coffee and a slice of pie. The Revival series uh, a few years ago was suitably weird and nowhere near enough coop, but I still loved its boldness. Thanks again, Melinda. Zane Ox has emailed to say, I didn't pause to re read Batista's emails, but I did notice a couple of other things. Firstly, the weather forecast on the TV included temperatures that were too low even for late summer in Miami. Because of that, I started to question if Batista was in Miami, even more so when he tells Angel Angela that he will be there first thing in the morning. A drive from Miami to New York would be 20 plus hours and it would be unlikely that he could book a flight in the middle of the night that would have him in New York by the morning. These are inconsequential, but in the moment, I wondered if they were clues as to what would happen in the remainder of the episode. Thanks, Zane. Nice catch about the weather on the TV. I've not looked back to check, but if you're right, it suggests that Batista could have been somewhere other than Florida. And he said he'd be there by morning, so maybe it was somewhere within reasonable driving distance. Perhaps we can get this confirmed at some point. Amy Leon has emailed to say, I just wanted to say I actually like the last episode. 
At first watch, I was a little stunned, and I think it was because it felt like it was 20 minutes long, when obviously it wasn't. I wasn't upset that he died, because I always thought he should instead of being arrested, but I think the last two episodes should have been stretched out into three or four. I really don't understand all the hate on it. It sort of pisses me off. If you're a true Dexter fan, you would understand that dying by a family member was the poet most poetic end for him, especially Harrison, considering what Dex had done to him. The whole series is about him trying to be human and trying to find a real connection where he can totally be himself and accepted. And when we see time and time again that with what he does and what he is, that's not possible. I think I relate to Harrison and Dexter's relationship because I had a complicated relationship with my addict father who also abandoned me later in life from 15 to 24, who also died. So I understand when they both say that Dexter needs to die in order for Harrison to move on because that is totally true. I was able to heal and move on from my own trauma a lot faster than I would have if he had continued to be around, even if not physically there. I heard Clyde talk about his own abusive father, and I think he was trying to tell an honest story about abusive parents, both Harry and Dexter, and the effects they have on everyone around them, especially their children. I love Dexter, and always related to his feelings of loneliness, but at the end of the day, he was a selfish addict psychopath. So at the same time, the last thing he says in his inner monologue about finally understanding true love in that moment, I just broke down and loved it. It was redemptive, but we and him understood that he needed to go. It made his death worth it because Harrison deserves to be happy, something Dexter was never able to get. Now, I will be very upset if they make a spin-off and Harrison does turn out to have a dark passenger because it will undo this whole end. If that's the case, then Dexter didn't deserve to, to die for Harrison or by his hand. I think they really should not make another season or spin-off. This story has been told and it needs to be left alone. Thanks, Amy. You have a much better reason than me not to want a spin-off. That was a very honest email there and, and validates the writer's decision to have things unfold as they did. Like you said, Philip says he had an abusive father so can bring some authenticity to how he wrote the relationship. If authenticity is the right word. Credibility? I know what I mean. I might just not be saying it right. <laughs> Thanks again, Amy. That was good. Grant Rose has emailed to say regarding the season finale, I'll start with the negative so I can move on to all the positives after. To start with, I understand Harrison was affected by Dexter, so being free from him may help his darkness. However, he can't forget Harrison attempted to murder more than one person. I remember he had just listened to the podcast about Trinity, but it was a calculated attempt for the supposed school shooter, Ethan. I find it hard to believe he would care that much about Logan's death, even though he's his coach. I'd always think no matter what the circumstances, you choose your father over your wrestling coach. My last negative I'd like to bring up is that we needed the Batista Dexter showdown. Even if it was a phone call or something, but seeing nothing between the characters was disappointing to say the least. But overall, I love the series, but do agree with yourself and others from the last podcast that another two episodes would have been great to tie up loose ends. The last episode summed up why I love Dexter. It brings a feeling no other show has. The tension of the last episode is what the finale of the show deserved. I'm sure everyone checked the time with about 10 minutes to go and thought there's no way they can wrap this up. It did anyway, 
and I was wrong. My final point is that I can definitely see a Harrison show at some stage. Just the final camera shots, how careful they were with portraying his character and never giving too much away regarding his past makes me think there will be more to come from Jack Alcott. Thanks, Grant. It just occurred to me, and I don't know why it didn't before, but we've always talked about Dexter as being an unreliable narrator. What if Harrison is too? So, when he told Dexter he's not like him, maybe he's in denial. He's a teenager full of hormones and for him full of childhood and recent trauma. Look at what he's witnessed. I can't believe he doesn't have some mental health issues, even if he's not an outright, an outright psychopath or sociopath. I would not be in the least bit surprised if he's suffering from, from some sociopathic tendencies or some kind of personality disorder. Not his fault, same as Dexter. Neither of them asked for their mothers to be murdered in front of them, but basically... I'm starting to wonder if we can 100% trust what Harrison says. The unreliable narrator, just like with Dexter. He may not be destined to become a serial killer, although, honestly, if he has mental health issues, and I'm sure he has, then he'll definitely need support moving forward. Connection is so important, and he's got nothing now. Nothing to tether him in this fresh aftermath of what's happened, so maybe he could go either way from here. He's there, driving along, that little smile on his face, feeling optimistic for his future. But who's to say the next time he's triggered, he doesn't lash out again like he did with Ethan? Something to think about. Are you Dexter Morgan? It's me, Harrison. Harrison. You can't. Everyone close to you dies. That's why we're here. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. I don't know who you're talking about. Hey, Gareth. My name is Molly, and I am from North Carolina. I actually just discovered this podcast about two weeks ago, and I'm super bummed that I didn't know about it, like, years ago, because I'm a huge Dexter fan, and it would have been really great to be able to listen to these along with the episodes as they came out so yeah <laughs> but I did go ahead and binge all of your episodes about New Blood and also the finale episode um and I actually messaged you guys on Twitter or tweeted you guys on there that I didn't realize that I had followed Nick Henderson um and then heard him on the podcast I didn't realize that that was him I just thought it was amusing, which I also want to mention that <laughs> I've been following him for a little while and then somehow unfollowed him and I don't know how, but I followed him again after I was like, yeah, I've followed Nick and didn't realize it was him. But anyway, that's besides the point. Um, so yeah, talk about the finale and input. So first I want to say after all the time we went without having Dexter and obviously never thinking we we're going to get it back, the first episode was like a breath of just fresh air and relief and like I was just so excited to have it back and all the nods especially in the first episode but kind of throughout the season to you know classic Dexter 
was really nice. So overall, I want to say for the season, I really, really loved it a lot and really genuinely enjoyed it. Um, but as for the finale, like a lot of other people, I was initially really disappointed. Um, you know, during the whole show, you're always worried that Dexter's going to get caught. He's going to die. And so that's just always been a concern. But like the last three episodes of New Blood, that concern was growing extremely. And I was so nervous, especially the week leading up to the finale, that he was going to die. And I was like, I, I just know this is going to break me. And <laughs> it did. And it was hard for me to look at it for what it was because it felt very very rushed and they just they've packed a lot into that last episode and you know all the plot holes that have been discussed already which you know it's gonna happen sometimes we're human beings human beings write this I mean it is what it is um but I think for people like me and you guys you're just you're you're such a big fan of the show and of the character you want things to go a certain way I'm trying to hurry up here I know this is really long I'm sorry <laughs> but yeah like initially watching it I was really disappointed I cried a lot like after he killed Logan I immediately lost it because I knew where this was going and I didn't want to see it and I was particularly upset that he was like shot like old yeller in the woods <laughs> it just felt very I don't know not earned and also, I know that it was on purpose, but the whole episode, you know, they have him in all black. And the contrast of the filming makes his eyes look almost black. Like, it just made him look so sinister. And I understand he's the villain, but I just, because I love the character so much, it's really hard for me to look at him like that. In the real world, obviously, I would. But Michael's so lovable, and it just makes the character so lovable. But anyway, after listening to you guys podcast and catching up on that and then also reading Nick's review it really helped me kind of take a step back and view the finale with a different eyes I guess a different perspective um, it made me appreciate it a lot more I still do think they would have done well to have another two episodes to really kind of spread all of that out and add you know more meat in there like the meat and Batista or anything like that they could have done more with a lot of those different um storylines that they were they introduced and just kind of didn't finish out in the finale but overall I can appreciate the poetic ending and I have you guys to thank for that honestly um it just made me feel a lot better because I've had a really hard week afterwards like I've obsessed all I've done is consume Dexter content in between being a mom <laughs> so anyway this is really long and I'm sorry but thank you guys so much all the work that you put into this and you're just so enjoyable to listen to and you made it just a lot easier for me to swallow I suppose anyway I look forward to hearing the uh, follow-up podcast with this with all the feedback and I look forward to listening to whenever you go back and re-watch the seasons so have a great day bye thanks Molly good to hear from you Better late than never, that's what I say. I know you were upset at the finale. I saw the photo you posted on Twitter and you looked like you'd been through the emotional ringer. I've said quite a bit already about Dexter as the villain, but you make a good point and it emphasises how torn we are with the character. He is so lovable in many ways. We've 
we've spent all these years following him. And of course, Michael C. Hall's so charismatic and likeable. But then we see him do unspeakable things. And it not it only because his victims have been awful human beings that's made it palatable? But it's been tough to see him breaking bad in such a graphic and jarring way this last episode and a half. Moving on, Philip Herman got in touch and said, my thoughts on the final episode were that it was a good way to end it. I think other than having Dexter in the death chamber, was, it was the only thing they could do. Why bring it back for Dexter to carry on living? Also, I think if they had done this ending for the original run, more people would have liked it. Possibly, Philip. Thanks for your comment, but we'll never know, will we? <laughs> I don't think any of us would want to see him meet his end getting the lethal injection, would we? Janelle has been in touch and she says, I've rewatched it a few times and I'm at a place where I think it was fitting. It was a fitting, albeit emotional end to Dex's character. I'm choosing to go with my emotions and not get too caught up in the nitty gritty of those few inconsistencies and the things that I would have wanted to see. After all these years of loving the show, I can honestly say that I'm content with the end. Heartbreaking, yes, but required a full stop. Thanks, Janelle. I tried to do that with season eight too. Focus on the emotional, emotional elements rather than the nitpicks. People could do the same now and at least we have the bonus of the rest of the season being liked by almost everyone, unlike season eight, which was pretty divisive throughout. Ryan Gillen has uh, been in touch to say it's frustrating because they had it in them to do a great, satisfying ending. We've seen super high quality episodes like last week with episode nine. And like many have said, I've got no problem with the direction they went. It was just the rushed and sloppy way they got there and the dangling plot lines that will never be resolved. Why tease Batista is on his way there to get us psyched for a cool confrontation between him and Dexter, then not deliver? Why did Angela say she had several murders that fit the Bay Harbor Butcher M.O. when the only definitive link was the needle marks and ketamine on one guy? But the biggest gripe I have, if this, is, if this was all about Harrison having a normal life and being free, why have Dexter insist that Harrison has to be the one to kill him? Something he has to know will only add to Harrison's trauma and problems since Dex is no longer around to explain that he wanted Harrison to do this. But the show wants us to believe that Harrison is happy as he's leaving town, alone again, hardly any money, leaving the people he'd come to care about and having just killed his dad, who a day before he was gleefully bonding with and was even on board to run to LA with him before learning about Logan. It doesn't even make sense that Angela would just let him go away. Because without Harrison to testify what he knew about Dexter, or a confession from Dexter himself, there's no way he'll get pegged as the Bay Harbor Butcher, so Dokes' name will never be cleared. She doesn't even know that Kurt's dead, so she may never feel justice for Iris and the other women's deaths. All in all, it leaves everyone in a pretty crappy place, save maybe for Dexter, who avoided legal consequences for his crimes, and he's kind of absolving himself of Harrison, like any future problems he has won't be Dexter's fault. Again, I agree that Dexter's dying is a valid and good ending for the series. Teaching Harrison the code and creating a serial killer out of him would have been terrible. I just wish it made more sense the way they did it, making the characters' motivations more authentic instead of nonsensical. 
Thanks, Ryan. Lots in there. Some things we've talked about already today. Angela's connections to the butcher. I think those websites she found were saying that this was the butcher's MO, jabbing victims with tranquilizer. So if she saw puncture marks on one person, it's not much of a stretch to extrapolate that to the others. It's all still quite circumstantial until she spoke to Batista, who confirmed LaGuerta suspected Dexter, validating Angela's suspicions. He was on his way with all the files that would provide further evidence to potentially implicate Dexter more. Again, we've talked about Harrison pointing the gun at Dexter. He wanted him to hand himself in and take responsibility for what he did. Let's stress again, this is a teenage boy who's experienced multiple shocking revelations over the last 24 hours or so. He was nearly murdered by Kurt a couple of nights ago. He's got all that trauma inside him. He's dealing with whatever darkness is inside him. Whether he's like Dexter or not, there's something there. We can all agree on that, can't we? I've talked myself into seeing him as an unreliable narrator too now. So it's... It's a fucked up situation, arguably with no one thinking like a normal, rational human being. Sorry, it's that normal word again. What's normal? <laughs> Perhaps Dexter realised that a life on the run was not what he wanted, especially with no chance of being able to be a father to his son now. Yes, he rejected that scenario eight years ago, but he'd realised that he'd wanted it after all especially when he thought Harrison was messed up too, just like him. I think you can fairly argue that Harrison could have refused to fire and let Dexter take his chances on the run, but then he knew his dad would eventually kill again, possibly another innocent. It's dark, and it's messed up, and perhaps we're supposed to look at Dexter and think, what kind of awful parent would put that on their child? Anyway, yes... Harrison's left out there on the road, but he's not broke. He has money. He's got the thousands of dollars they took from Kurt. Do you remember Kurt took some some money out of his safe, didn't he, when he was going to when he was going to do a runner? He's also got whatever cash Angela gave him, although I'm sure it's not anywhere near as much. So he's got some money to make a start somewhere. I'm more concerned that he's out there with no support of any kind. For me, I'd like him to seek out Aster and Cody. Des suggested he was heading west. Maybe he was, if, if people saw the road signs. Maybe they indicated he was heading west, but I'd like him to go south to Aster and Cody. They are related, half-brother and sister. Connection's so important, and I hope he realises that, and I hope he finds it. Ryan, I understand your concerns, and I think we come back to what we've been saying about needing another episode or two. It might have allowed motivations to develop more coherently for those viewers still struggling to accept them. Anyway, thanks for your message, Ryan. John Lewis has emailed to say, In no way whatsoever am I a professional writer of television, so what I'm saying is to be taken with a grain of salt, and I'd like to aim my statement towards the showrunners. I think there may have been a problem in the way the show was ran. Having different writers for each episode and filming done out of sequence may have led to the plot holes many have been complaining about. Writers may not have given much credence to some of the details because they were focused on writing their own episode. Was it worthless 
Was it worth showing as Curtin Harrison breaking into the school instead of how Dexter's leg magically healed? Failing at having Edward Olsen be a red herring could have been removed and replaced with actually having the angel Batista versus Dexter face-off. Looking back, was Michael C. Hall's song really that good to have to basically change history on what drug the Bay Harbour Butcher used? What about clarifying how Kurt knew Jim was the one who killed his son? Or better yet, how Angela knew where Harrison and Dexter were in that final face-off? Dexter should have died, but the overall consensus is that it should have happened in a different way. The show had so many bumps in the road that by the time we finished the trip, we ended up with motion sickness. I wonder why Scott Reynolds didn't write the finale. It's truly disappointing. He's been with the show from the beginning and worked his way up through the ranks. It would have been fitting, especially after watching episode 9, which will go down as one of the best episodes of the show, ever. Instead, Clyde Phillips had some first-time Dexter writers do it. Very puzzling, and I wonder if anyone regrets that decision now that the finale has the worst IMDb rating of any episode. Thanks, John. You know, I wondered the same thing about the writing of the finale. Scott really did write one of the best ever Dexter episodes with episode 9 and based on that you make a good case for why he might have done a better job with the finale. Clyde Phillips was showrunner during Dexter's best years and he's here again so you'd think he'd be a great choice to write the finale, that it would be in safe hands. However, as capable as I'm sure the other two writers are, you ask a fair question as to why first-time writers, first-time Dexter writers, were entrusted with such a crucial episode. I obviously don't have the answer, but it's something to wonder about. The ketamine thing. We know that Michael C. Hall was heavily involved creatively, so I wonder if the choice to retcon the drug was his idea. I just throw that out there, I don't know. Edward Olson, the red herring. It was pretty obvious to us watching that watching that the sniper was Kurt and not Olsen. We got close-ups of the eyes and Clancy Brown is so distinctive, there was never really any doubt. The only thing we asked was whether Kurt was acting alone and maybe Olsen was involved somehow. A vote would be interesting, though, from the entire Dexter viewership. How many viewers didn't dismiss Olsen as the sniper early on? It reminds me of the original series and the Professor Geller reveal back in the day. Remember that? On this podcast, we sussed that he was in Travis Marshall's mind long before the reveal. But when there was a vote, I think it might have been at, uh, on the Dexter Daily website, the result came back that maybe 60% said they were surprised by the reveal. So maybe more people didn't figure out the sniper's identity than we think. We'll probably never know, but it's possible. In a nutshell, John... You summarise the issues a lot of people have. It's not an issue, per se, with Dexter dying at the end. It's more how we got there. And again, the plot points we're referring to, how much you want them to bother you. And I'm not suggesting that people overlook everything and just be a complete shill. <laughs> Deanna said in her feedback last week that we hold shows these days to a very high standard and expect things to be damn near perfect and when they're not a lot of people can get mad and I don't want to invalidate anyone's disappointment no people's natural responses are their own and that's okay my natural response to the season is that I enjoyed it 
some bits I loved the hell out of. I recognise some inconsistencies, but personally, I'm not allowing anything to be a deal-breaker. I'm at a very different place now to where I was after season eight, which I didn't hate. It was just ultimately disappointing to me. And I went through it just wishing for it to be better. And it was... I was finding myself defending it a bit too much on the podcast. It was because I cared and I wanted the show to be the best it could. And when it wasn't, I was feeling disappointed, but I was having to keep podcasting about it and almost playing devil's advocate and trying to stay balanced and emphasise the positives while acknowledging the negatives. This season's been different. I've enjoyed it throughout. And I'm okay with how this ended. I loved the emotional beats in the finale and the wake-up call to who Dexter is. But hey, like I said, we'll not all agree on every point, and that's fine. Thanks for your email, John. But I have to say, people saying that New Blood is worse than season eight, they've been watching a different show, and maybe they've not watched season eight for a while. <laughs> Luke in Essex, he's emailed, making a comparison to another TV show called Power. Not one I've watched, but is it's about someone leading a double life as a drug kingpin. I won't dig into the detail to avoid spoiling anyone. It does look like a good show, so I might check it out, actually. But Luke points, points out many astounding similarities between New Blood and Power, so much so that he suggests it's not far off plagiarism. Oh, what an accusation. <laughs> Go, Luke. <laughs> um... And he's surprised it's not being talked about. I don't know. Maybe it's... I don't know how widely viewed Power was. Maybe it wasn't... It's not one that I'd ever heard of before, before Luke's email. So, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't widely seen. Luke goes on to say, and bear with me, it's a long, e long email, but he writes some good stuff here. He says, Don't get me wrong. New Blood as a whole was great. I loved having Dexter back and enjoyed the ride. We had nine and a half brilliant episodes. But for that final half, it undid a lot of the good work. It was the worst possible ending I could have imagined. I don't mean that necessarily in terms of the writing, nor do I sit in the the writers are complete idiots camp, because I was in absolute bits at Dexter's final scene, and poor writing wouldn't have made me so emotional. I just mean in terms of the outcome. I have, however, maintained throughout that I didn't think Dex killing Dexter was the right way to end the series, and I stand by that. With the ratings and reception of New Blood, I'm sure Showtime are going to regret it too. I get that the writer's spin on the ending was Dexter realises he's the villain and that he needs to die, but for the nine seasons, he's been the anti-hero, the survivor, and that's why we love him. The decision to try and spin this in the final act seems strange and backfired in my opinion. In my job, there is an idea that you never introduce new information in a summary. I feel that applies here. Harrison's reasoning for wanting to rid himself of Dexter was confusing. He said he doesn't have a dark passenger. He has deep-rooted anger at his abandonment because of Dexter, yet he tried to kill Ethan, was largely at ease seeing Kurt dismembered by Dexter before happily helping dispose of his body. He then managed to shoot his dad at point-blank range without a moment's hesitation. If that isn't psychopathic behaviour, I'm not sure what is. The U-turn he made within the space of two minutes seemed irrational. He was ready to flee with Dexter before, noticing, do 
he was ready to flee with Dexter before noticing Logan's blood. I get that he was close with Logan and that Logan was a great guy, etc. But choosing him over his dad with the deep connection they found over the last two episodes, it didn't feel right to me. The ridiculous thing is Dexter didn't even mean to kill Logan. It was an accident. Logan was also trying to blow Dexter away. Why didn't he think to mention this to Harrison? I also thought that Harrison taking the you killed an innocent route was a bit hypocritical given what he did to Ethan. Speaking of hypocrisy, how about Angela? She picks and chooses when to apply the law based on her own moral compass. She was willing to let Harrison go because, in her eyes, he killed a bad guy in Dexter, yet she wanted to bring down Dexter, the Bay Harbour butcher whose MO was to take out the trash. Given she had just seen the evil of Kurt with her own eyes, would she still have such a will to put Dexter, the man who stops atrocities like this from happening, in the electric chair? For me, this final episode undermines her entire character. I understand that Dexter sacrificed himself for the hope of a happy future for Harrison, but if Harrison doesn't have a dark passenger, how is he meant to live with killing his dad? Surely only someone with psychopathic traits could manage that. It makes little sense to me that Harrison, who has felt alone his entire life, etc., and who sought his father to find answers and try and bond, would kill him days after he has managed exactly that. I also thought Dexter saying, this is the first time I've ever felt real love, was a strange comment. What about Deb, who we know for a fact he genuinely loved? What about Hannah, the woman he was willing to leave his entire life behind for and stop killing for? I know he's been an unreliable narrator throughout the series, but you'd think that in his final act he would speak the truth. We know there's been lots of anger on social media about Dexter killing Logan, with many saying he wouldn't do it. He would, 100%. My issue isn't that he killed Logan, more that he felt so cornered that he had to. We can discredit the Caldwell case. Angela basically said so herself. And as for the Bay Harbor Butcher case, Dexter never left a trace. LaGuerta's folder wasn't good enough to even warrant an arrest in season 7. Why would it be any different now? Particularly given that she can no longer testify or give evidence that her ace card was the footage of Deb at the gas station in season 6, who is also no longer able to give evidence. Where is the case? Dexter had been accused by Maria before and exonerated. Why would it be any different this time around? I get that he might not fancy a showdown with Batista, but the story he gave Angela about faking his death was compelling. Why not tell Angel the same thing? Yes, there are the wheel marks found in Iron Lake, and I'm sure Angel would have some serious questions and strong suspicions, but at the end of the day, these were on two drug dealers. Is it much of a stretch to imagine that they experiment with their own products? Or that they might have used needles themselves? The original ending was panned for many reasons, but there was a lot of anger at a much-loved character finding himself in such a bleak situation. I'm surprised the writers made this same mistake, in my opinion, twice. New Blood was made to appease the fan base, was killing him off in such a hurried and, as I've mentioned, unoriginal manner ever going to do that. I'm not even sure it was that definitive. What happened next? Was Dexter exposed to the Bay Harbour Butcher? Is Kurt exposed as the runaway killer? Who takes the fall for killing Dexter? Who takes the fall for killing Matt? Now it's over. I'm surprised at the amount of time given to unnecessary new characters. Iris, Olsen, the Seneca people, even Molly to a certain extent. It's the same thing they did in season 8 with Zach Hamilton, Vogel and Elway. 
I thought we were going to get another season of New Blood, so at the time I didn't mind, but on reflection it's a strange thing to have done, given the limited ten episodes. It was always risky for Clyde Phillips to say that this ending would break the internet. I'm not sure it came close. Either way, it's been a pleasure to listen to this podcast alongside the show, and I thank you for enhancing my Dexter experience. I'm just sad it's come to an end. Thanks, Luke. Epic email there, my friend. (laughs) This is what I mean about listeners of this podcast. There's all that, all that on social media, and here we've got some folk who weren't enamoured with the ending, or certain points about the season, but you all put it across in a thought-through, reasoned way. Great stuff, guys, really. A lot of what Luke is saying further underlines for me that Harrison, while he might not have the same dark passenger as Dexter, he's got something about him. What that is, I'm not qualified to diagnose, but it's there. He's not a reliable narrator. I'll say it again. This situation between father and son is messed up. So it's hard to judge. Hard to judge it by our more rational, again, quote-unquote, normal values and standards. For Dexter, I think he panicked. He was that cornered animal, and the butcher reveal from Angela threw him right off. The Kurt thing he could wriggle out of, and maybe he could with the butcher too, but the weight of that was evidently just just too much for him to think through. The other characters you mention, excuse me, uh, Olsen was a red herring, of course, and, and that's been acknowledged now. Uh, officially by um, uh, by the creators of the show. Uh, who was it? Was it Marco Siega? I forget. Anyway, they have acknowledged he was a red herring. But the others were more connected to the main plot. Molly influenced Angela. Iris is what drove Angela from way back and was important as Kurt's first victim. The Seneca community, that's fine too. It, it, it's part of life in that area. And it's nice to reflect that in the show. I, I think it makes the whole, the whole place, the whole thing a little richer for me. For Angela, tying those missing girls to Kurt is massive. But you ask if, based on Dexter tipping her off about it, would she still have the will to pursue a prosecution against him? I think yes. <laughs> She's been shown to be a good, upstanding person, dogged and determined. Yes, she would owe finding the girls to Dexter, but it doesn't change what he might have done, what she strongly suspects him of doing. And let's face it, she suspects him of doing something pretty bloody heinous and appalling to any gritted teeth, normal person. (laughs) I would see it as a disservice to her character if she was prepared to then let that go. However, we've been here before with Deb when she found out about Dexter. She entered that grey moral area which, uh, uh, when she didn't turn him in or shoot him in the container. But the relationship to Dexter was very different, wasn't it? Which brings me to your point about him saying he was feeling real love. I would like to think he had real love for Deb. Look at how he responded to her death. The tear he shed on the boat when he dropped her in the ocean. His eyes looked watery, facing Harrison at the end there. But when he said about feeling real love, I also thought, what about Deb? He'd not forgotten her, surely. 
I guess it was a unique situation, but also the love a parent has for their child is very different to the love for a sibling. So much in your email, Luke, <laughs> but so much more for me to still to respond to. So I'll say thank you very much, my friend, and move on to an email from Mike in Omaha. He says, I hate that my first contact with you will be negative, but I just didn't care for new blood. My main problem was a lack of or misuse of supporting characters. At the beginning of the final episode, Dexter talked about the good people of Iron Lake, naming several other than Logan. We had barely met any of them. Angela was supposed to be a great cop, but when we first met her, she was screwing Dexter while on patrol. Seriously? Not even Quinn ever did that. Sure, he had sex with a material witness, but that was off the, off the clock. And Angela never seemed to actually love Dexter, especially over the final few episodes. So there wasn't much of an emotional payoff when she, find out, she found out what he was. Harrison was occasionally likeable, but spent too much of the season as a moody teenager. He drew comparisons to Zack from season eight, but Zack had a sense of humour, something very few people in Iron Lake seemed to possess. Logan was inconsistent, a tough interrogator at one moment and a doormat the next. Molly was entertaining. She was entertaining as a send-up of some true crime podcasters and should have been in on discovering Dexter, but instead was killed off-screen. A baffling decision by the writers. Kurt was an excellent big bad, though. He was the best new character on the show and a worthwhile match for Dexter. Despite my dislike of Dexter's new friends, I could have been won over if the one person who really deserved to kill Dexter would have been the one to end it, Batista. He lost his partner, his ex-wife and his close friend because of Dexter. It was unforgivable to show the phone call between Angela and Angel, build that excitement and then drop Batista off the face of the earth. We got to see the realisation dawning on his face and then pfft, he was gone. All the writers had to do was to keep Dexter in jail a little while longer before his escape and then create a showdown between him and Batista. Didn't you want more from Angel? Instead, Harrison, who had just been told Dexter, who had just told Dexter that all he wanted was to be normal, is now a father-killing freak. Why would Dexter have his own son shoot him in cold blood? If it was supposed to be redeeming, a redeeming selfless act by Dexter, it failed. Dexter ends as a pathetic loser whose last act was to fuck up his son for life. And what was Angela thinking? She gives the poor kid 40 bucks and tells him to drive past the crime scene in the murderer's very recognisable truck. Harrison is supposed to start a new life on the spare change in Angela's pocket. Given that old F-150's gas mileage, you probably won't get across the state line. I've always been willing to put aside minor quibbles. And like the chin-scratching like chin habit they apparently just made up. But the supporting characters and the plot choices made by the creators this season were a disappointment. This is my least favourite Dexter season, and I doubt I'll be on board if Harrison carries on the legacy. Thanks, Mike. I'm sorry this season didn't sit well with you. At all. Would I have liked more from Angel? Yes. He's an OG character. Always likeable and decent. I interviewed David Zayas back in the day. Of course I'd have liked more, and I speculated what a face-off between Dexter and Batista might look like earlier this season. However, I can empathise with Dexter that he would not want to face his old friend with accusations of being the butcher. 
Avoidance is perfectly normal for people. Kids do it all the time. People with anxiety, they'll often try to avoid the things that cause them anxiety. And nothing about this situation is normal. The issue is the tease to fans, not the character, I think. But like David Zayas said to me, everything on the show is in the service of Dexter's story. And perhaps I can give credit to the writers for not indulging fan service. It's tough on those who got excited that we'd get a face-to-face, but ultimately it's Dexter's story and that's it. Some of your other points, Mike, we've covered already in the podcast, talking about Angela and Molly, the good folk of Iron Lake. However, we only had ten episodes and we did cross paths with several of the town folk, like Tess, Fred, the pastor, briefly, some of the school kids. But given how we are criticising the show for rushing things and recognising that they could have probably done with another episode or two, would we really want to have spent more time with background characters who had little or nothing to do with the central plot? There wasn't time, and we'd be bashing them now if they had. So I think that's okay for Dexter just to refer to them and for us to have met the people we did for the amount of time that we did. We had episode one to set the scene of the town. We could have done without the protest scene, or even anything with Olsen, but clearly they used him as a decoy for viewers who didn't recognise Clancy Brown's eyes in close-up. Anyway, thanks again, Mike. I hope that after some time has passed, you might revisit the season without the mystery of where it's going and perhaps rank it higher among the seasons. Even if you hated the finale, I think it still deserves to be much higher, in my opinion. Hey, Gareth, it's Deanna from Alberta finally saw the final episode and noticed the epi- the whole internet wasn't broken so I could send you a voicemail. There were a, a number of questions I had at the end of that episode. And number one, I was just really wondering about Holly Park's podcast listeners. Can you imagine the fallout when the media finds out she was murdered in Iron Lake? I really began thinking about that um, serial podcast What if instead of in the final episode being more of an I don't know whether Adnan did it or he didn't do it, they had discovered Sarah Koenig's body in the basement of Adnan Saeed's house. Could you imagine? Actually, maybe I'll leave the sound effects to Travis. He does it a little bit better. But, I mean, for for the Dexter episode itself, it was okay. And I think that might be just kind of damning it with faint praise anyway because after last week I was really expecting something very very good Um, but it was just okay and I think that again just had a lot to do with all the expectations I had about it coming in and maybe I was bound to be a little disappointed I just kind of felt like it was a very rushed episode they Dexter went here he went there he went here he went there and um and then it was over, and I just maybe wanted something a little more character-based than I have to get here, I have to get there. Um, I'm also trying to figure out if it was they were trying to make some kind of a redemption arc for Dexter, um, or for Harrison. I really couldn't figure it out, and... I guess I'm going to have to think about it for a while. But, boy, the the murder of 
Officer Logan there was really, really hard to see. And watching Angela break down and find the bodies and that, that, that was all very emotional and it hit me, but it just felt so odd to see Dexter die in this way after everything he's been through. And I, I get the whole idea that Dexter really can't have love. You know, he finally gets that moment and he doesn't deserve it. And I, I actually even had to rewind for a couple of moments because I wasn't sure if Dexter had killed him or if Angela had killed him. That took me a minute too. I was a little confused, but that's on me, I guess. Uh, I just, I guess I really wanted to, to have some more fall fallout. Like what happened? What happened? You know, I wanted to see Batista or that confrontation and it never happened. But again, I have to decide if I'm upset at the episode because of what I wanted it to be or because of what it actually was. I'll be really interested to hear the kinds of takes you're getting from uh, your listeners and what you thought of the episode. So take care. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thanks, Deanna. That was great, using the serial music there. You totally got me. I thought you were going to go into full Travis mode for a second there. (laughs) You're right about the expectations for the finale. We were all so pumped, weren't we, after episode nine, and it's a shame that many viewers felt a bit deflated in the end. It's funny that you wondered for a moment whether Angela had shot Dexter. That thought flashed through my mind too when we looked at Harrison. I thought it would I thought the camera would pan to the side and it would be Angela there, smoking gun pointed. However, I I think we'd be complaining about that now, <laughs> calling out the, the corny timing and a cop out, literally cop out it uh, to save Harrison from doing the deed. There'd probably be complaints about that. As it was, she turned up moments later anyway, and that's still convenient timing. I mean we speculated last week that, that Logan's police car would have had a tracker in it for Angela to trace, but she came from the other direction. Uh, it's another nitpick. <laughs> I really can't be bothered at this point to scratch that one. <laughs> uh, Deanna followed up with an email after our review roundtable and had some thoughts connecting with Breaking Bad. The email includes spoilers for the ending of Breaking Bad, so if you haven't seen it yet, Maybe skip forward a couple of minutes because it's a superb show. So Deanna writes, The recap discussion about viewers' feelings of surprise about Dexter being portrayed as a bad guy got me thinking about another very popular anti-hero show that ended its series to near-universal praise, Breaking Bad. In fact, I thought one of the near-to-end shots of New Blood was going to be a homage to the finale shot in Breaking Bad. The camera hovers above the body but instead of floating up and away like in Breaking Bad, it pulled in closer on Dexter. There were lots of Breaking Bad fans who were still thinking Walter White was still a pretty cool guy into the last season, and when his actions caused the death of an important character, I remember people trying to to justify for Walter the way people are still willfully oblivious about how, how bad Dexter actually was. Doesn't mean we don't want to watch him, but we should be aware. Vince Gilligan, Breaking Bad's creator, was shocked that going into the last season, people hadn't turned on Walter yet, and he built that over many seasons. 
I think the Dexter crew might have blasted through that character reveal a little too quickly, and maybe they didn't want to at all if they were saying they wanted the neck crack to come after the gunshot. Thanks, Deanna. Clyde Phillips has been so clear in the media, interviews, podcasts, that Dexter is a bad guy. I've talked about this already quite a lot, and you're right how Gilligan was incredulous that many were still rooting for Walter White. I think if you put Dexter next to Walter White, though, and choose who you'd prefer to have a beer with, and I think Dexter wins out, he's a much more likeable person on the surface. And it's that charm that helped draw us in to begin with. For the Logan and the neck crack, I think they were keen to affirm that Dexter did not want to kill Logan. Rather, he was yet another innocent victim. Unintentional collateral damage resulting from Dexter's selfishness. We've seen it so many times. I love Dexter, but he really was a selfish narcissist. <laughs> Sociopath, a liar, manipulator, um, a neglectful parent, a serial killer. <laughs> he was also a victim. Let's not forget that. I'm not denying that. He was a victim of something unspeakably horrible as a child. But he's not the great guy that some are still painting him to be. Sorry if anyone doesn't like that, but as much as I've enjoyed watching the character, my eyes are wide open to his faults, as I'm sure yours are too, Deanna. Thanks for your email. I love that your feedback lately has looked at the meta rather than the minutiae. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. So we're getting towards the end of our feedback now. Uh, we're not quite there yet. We have, well, I mentioned um, I mentioned earlier we had a bit of a podcast within a podcast. And we've got another podcast within a podcast now. This one is from Mike Lanich, who uh, has, has, has sent in um, a, a fantastic voicemail with some really in-depth analysis of this finale. So um, I hope you'll uh, indulge, uh, indulge this and, um, and listen to Mike because he's got some great thoughts on the episode and of course I'll be commenting afterwards so uh, here's Mike. Hi Gareth this is Mike Lanick and I'm sending in my feedback for the Dexter finale. So um, I wanted I waited for a while before I sent in my feedback because the finale of course was you know a lot to digest. Um, I went back and I rewatched the episode because I was trying to see maybe where others were coming from, you know, what were they seeing that I wasn't seeing? And did that make me change my mind about the finale? And uh, look, for me, my initial reaction was that it was a better finale than the one we got, but it definitely didn't feel like it was good enough for me. I understood what, understood what they were going for, but it just, it didn't land for me like I think the writers and Clyde Phillips thought it would land for a majority of the, the audience. Um, you know, the finale was, was good. It was really good up until the last 15 to 20 minutes of the episode. That's when it really started to fall apart for me. And if you, if you want to know what my major issue is, it's, well, it's, it's a few things, but, Let's start with the kind of more minor-ish things, which is that, A, Harrison is a killer. You know, Dexter in the original series was, was worried 
constantly worried that Harrison, you know, was going to show these dark tendencies and be like him. And then in this series, he seems to show those tendencies and Dexter's like, ooh, super excited, which just never really made a whole lot of sense to me. Um, it just, I, if anything, I would feel even more terrified, you know, given what he was seeing or what he was, he thought he was seeing ultimately, uh, which didn't happen to be true. Yes, Harrison could be violent, but it turned out there was no dark passenger. But Harrison killed his father. Um, that's it, you know? I mean, I don't know why Harrison couldn't have shot him in the leg, right? Why do you have to kill your father? So now you have Harrison who has no family, no friends. He He's actually in some ways worse off than he was before the show even started. He's met his father. He now killed his father. And he is homeless and alone. You know, I don't know how you can look at that ending and feel like it was a good one, even just for Harrison. Um, he may have found out who his father is and determined that that wasn't who he wanted to be, but that seems like a pretty terrible consolation prize here, right? And... um you know, I think my biggest, the biggest issue for me, though, is the lack of consequences for Dexter. And some people might think, hey, death is the ultimate consequence, right? But I don't think so. To me, Dexter went out on his own terms, which is exactly, in my opinion, how he shouldn't have gone out. Given everything that's happened over the course of the last 15 years, um you know, since the, well, the show originally started up until now, uh, you go through the original run and then you get this, this one season here and everything that Dexter's done, there's been no real consequence outside the loss of some family members and friends, I suppose. And those are certainly something, but for Dexter, it's never been about him dying for me or living, frankly, for that matter. In my opinion, that's always been secondary to watching as Dexter's life gets revealed to be what it really is, right? That, that, that mask that he wears, the, the life that he's constructed to have that all ripped down and to be shown for what it really is slash was, would in many ways be the ultimate consequence for Dexter. And then, you know, if he died, fine. But the ending that we got here just felt like a bit of a tease for that, right? Because Batista apparently is on his way, and yet none of it's going to matter. A, we don't get to see it on screen, and B, are we even going to see anything stick, even if Batista gets there? What's he going to find, other than some circumstantial evidence, which... It leads me to the fact that, you know, Dexter probably would have beaten every single one of those cases, whether, you know, be the Bay Harbor Butcher case or the Matt Caldwell case. Everything was circumstantial. You know, there was nothing that really tied him. And maybe he was spooked by the fact that Batista was coming up and maybe Batista had something. But, you know, he didn't know 
that Batista had anything whatsoever. And it just felt like he was risking his life for something in which he probably could have beaten in court. So this leads me, again, back to the whole consequences thing. I just feel like at the end of the day, Dexter did everything that he did. And like I said, he got to go out on his own terms, being killed by his son. If I were to alter things, I I think what I would have done is, uh, you know, I would have had Angela maybe stare at her phone at some point early in the episode. Um, maybe when she pulls up to the house, even before she goes in and, and arrests Dexter and she's staring at her phone and jump forward into the episode further. And, uh, you know, she's grilling Dexter and then she says, excuse me a minute. She gets up and, you know, she brings in, Batista or, you know, she, uh, you know, maybe takes Dexter back to his cell, maybe, and then Batista shows up and uh, they have a conversation. Although I think the, you know, in the interview room with the cameras rolling would have been the best thing. But to see Batista come in and see his old friend sit down, have this, you know, big, thick folder of files and just knowing that that's going to unsettle Dexter and what could be in there. You know, you could still have the, the in some ways you could still have the ending, I suppose. But what, you know, what if he killed uh, Batista? What if, uh, you know, Batista is the one that kind of shoots him at the end? It isn't Harrison or something. There's so many ways in which I feel like this could have gone down in a similar route. But we still could have had the catharsis that we haven't had since the show was originally on the air. It just feels to me like it's uh, an ending that worked kind of, but for some reason, even though a lot of people always assumed that Dexter would get revealed to be the Bay Harbor Butcher, that there would be a manhunt, which is what I always assumed was going to be end or something in that kind of realm it never happened. And sometimes I wonder if it's because the writers always assumed that was the expected end, and so they couldn't go that route because everyone kind of assumed they were, you know, they were heading there eventually. And to me, I think the expected end doesn't necessarily mean a bad end, right? It just means it's an ending that most people assumed would be coming, and, you know, that's fine as long as it's written well. So for me, you know, this was all right, but ultimately I think they could have done better. Um, You know, why bring Batista in this whole thing if it's just to raise the tension a tad and that's about it? I don't don't really understand it. I mean, you could have killed off Batista years ago and and Quinn even. If they weren't going to be a factor in the end, they probably shouldn't have been on the show as long as they were. So, but anyway, um, you know, overall, besides the end, which I know we've been talking a lot of, for three quarters of this episode, it was fantastic. The stakes were high. The tension was was high. The acting 
regardless of what I think of the end, has just been phenomenal across the board. Uh, throughout the season, throughout this finale especially, you know, everyone was really bringing their absolute best because they knew they had to, uh, being the final episode. And, uh, you know, I thought that uh, Angela was great. I thought Michael C. Hall did an unbelievable job in those scenes uh, trying to convince, uh, you know, Angela that he wasn't the Bay Harbor Butcher and you know, trying to, you know, manipulate her and use his, his tactics uh, to kind of convince her that she's, you know, maybe a little, you know, a little unsettled, you know, maybe she needs to take a step back and, and all that stuff. But yeah, I, I think overall, everything else about this episode basically worked for me. Uh, the only other thing is, is, you know, the bodies, Kurt's bodies, um, you know, it just got just the briefest glimpse. And then that was it. Again, it, this this season needed at least two more episodes beyond this one. It needed at least 12 episodes. Frankly, I think 13 would have been the best. They could have taken the back end of the season and really done a better job. I think that in some ways is really the biggest problem here apart from how I feel about the actual ending, I wouldn't have as much of a problem with it if it felt more organic and less squeezed and rushed to get to, you know, the end in quotes. So sorry for this extremely long uh, voicemail. And uh, thanks for another great season, Gareth. And I'll be listening to you as you go back and do your rewatch uh, of season three. So thanks. Wow, Mike, thanks. Loads of good comments in there. And quite a bit that I've reflected about here already. But you talked about Dexter's excitement when he thought his son was like him, which didn't gel with how terrified he was back in the original series. We remember the moment in the park when Harrison he pushed over another kid or, or something like that, and Dexter was like, ooh, is he like me? He was interpreting just regular stuff that kids do to each other when they're learning, thinking it might be a sign that he's inherited his, his darkness. That's normal for parents to worry about their kids inheriting their vulnerabilities or phobias or anxieties or whatever characteristics we think aren't good about ourselves. That's normal. But of course, we get that no way would Dexter wish for his son to be burdened with the same darkness that he has. But when it came down to it, we saw that little hint of a smile when he found the razor. Deb behind him expressing concern and caution while Dexter himself was excited by it. It was, it was like his selfish need outweighed his wish to protect his son from the darkness, help keep him away from him. Therapy might have been a good start, but we saw how long that lasted. He felt he had no choice to, but to be honest with Harrison about his dark needs, behind the facade of the code and the notion that he was some kind of vigilante. Although Harrison's natural responses helped perpetuate that idea and, and Dexter embraced it for, what, 24 hours or so. So while him encouraging Harrison to join him in the code doesn't align with his early protectiveness and paranoia, it makes sense for me, knowing Dexter as we do. 
he doesn't have the same level of sanity that most of us do. We can't expect him to always make the sensible choice. And he didn't hear. You ask whether Harrison is in a worse place now, that maybe he is a sociopath and what happened in the finale will only push him further that way. Yeah, the future could be bleak. It's a very dark ending. And I agree, it's not great for Harrison moving forward with all this in his head and on his shoulders, but maybe that's the writer's intention. It was never meant to be a happy ending. When has Dexter ever given us a happy ending? If we've learned anything from this show, it's that, it's that moments of positive resolution and joy are invariably followed by pain and misery. You bring up an interesting discussion about consequences. Yes, <laughs> there have certainly been consequences over the course of the series, with innocent people dying because of Dexter's actions, some of them people very close to him, and, and that's a tough consequence. But you make a good point that he went out on his own terms. It was his choice. Would Harrison have really shot him in the back if he continued walking? We'll never know. We've long talked about his personal journey his quest to become human. We've seen, when we've, or rather when we've seen all along, he is human, but a very damaged one. It's been about his own voyage of discovery. We don't need to recap the whole series. We all know the various things the show's explored. And perhaps the saddest, harshest reality for him has been revealed in New Blood, that he is a killer, he is an addict, he's addicted to taking life, he's self-serving, he attempted to groom his own damaged son into being like him. That's appalling. But perhaps a, a massive wake-up call as to who this man is. We, we got sucked in too and we've been complicit in what he did. It's very dark and you're right, Mike. Justice, true consequences would have been for him to sit in that cell and wait for whatever was coming to him. Face it head on, not take... The, the coward's way out and try to run, killing an innocent in the process. That would have given us the Batista face-off people have been crying out for. But instead, he reacted like the cornered animal, thought purely emotionally and tried to escape the consequences. I think it's quite normal for people to have knee-jerk reactions, not, not think... A cons uh, not think a, a situation through properly and logically and, and react instinctively, which Dexter definitely did here. I think we're meant to think less of him for what he did. I'm considering what it was that the writers wanted us to feel. Yes, we can look objectively at it and see how we might have preferred Dexter or Harrison to react, but particularly Dexter, as it's his show, but the writers chose to depict Dexter doing these things, reacting this way, being the bad guy, showing his true colours. And it's hard for us to take, but then, arguably, it's always been there in the show. You make a good case for having Batista to show up at Iron Lake and confront Dexter. As I sat here listening to your voicemail, I was picturing it. All quiet in the jailhouse, Batista walking in slowly and sitting down in front of Dexter, bars between them. A long silence, looking at each other, or maybe Dexter not even being able to look at him in the eye for long. 
it could have been a high point of the series. And, and yes, maybe the rest of the episode could have played out in the same way. Batista, like I think I mentioned earlier, could have accompanied, accompanied Angela to Kurt's cabin, leaving Logan to meet his fate, as they depicted. I can't pretend I wouldn't have liked to see Angel and Dexter have that conversation. Of course I would. With the episode we got, though, it still made sense to me why Dexter, given his panic as that cornered animal, would do what he did. So if we accept that this is what the writers wanted us to feel at the end, it's, it's just down to us individually to decide whether we're happy about that. For me, I'm good. It's bleak and it's downbeat. It was a bit rushed, yes. There are things I'd have liked to have happened, but my overall reaction to this is positive. I'm sorry if you don't like that. <laughs> it's given Dexter a definitive end. I still love the journey that we've been on with him. And I'm left wondering what the future will be like for Harrison. I think I'm starting to talk myself into thinking Harrison's Dark Passenger will grow after this. So perhaps there is a future in the much-talked-about spin-off. Thanks again, Mike. Always plenty to chew on with your feedback. <laughs> Good stuff. Finally, let's end on another voicemail. And this one's from Australia. Hey Gareth, it's Louise from Melbourne, Australia. This is only my second time of ever providing feedback into your podcast and I thought it was about time that I did so again. Um, I absolutely love the finale and the ending. The tension was palpable all the way through. I was really surprised when Angela arrested Dexter and I was instantly worried as to where that arrest would lead as I didn't really believe that the series would end with Dexter on death row. Now, Dexter looked at the knife block and I was thinking, oh my God, no, surely he's not going to kill Angela. But then Logan came in wielding his gun too and the tension went up a notch again. By the time Angela went out to Kurt's mausoleum dollhouse, my chest was so tight and I realised that I had almost stopped breathing. She went out there alone. No! There were fresh tyre tracks in the snow. Has someone else emptied out the bodies? She finds the bodies. Oh, okay, Good. But then, is she going to get out alive? Kurt's proclamation on Dexter's table with his overt, sarcastic sounding, oh, yeah, 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 it was, it was all me, left us thinking that others were involved with him and he had some co-conspirators. It really wasn't until Angela called in the state troopers, the FBI, etc., that I actually resumed breathing properly. Now, while I didn't want Dexter to go to jail, I equally didn't want him running away with Harrison, teaching him the code. Complete fantasy by Dexter, thinking that that was okay. Understood why he thought that, but fantasy. He was projecting onto Harrison and he didn't really see until the very end, which he did see then, thanks to Harrison, that Dexter's dark passenger is his and he's alone and it's not shared by Harrison. And he should be grateful that that's the case with, for his son. And I think he was. Now, I also didn't want Harrison to kill Dexter because I thought, well, the damage that that would do to him to carry that burden for the rest of his life. But the writing crew and Jack Alcott and Michael C. Hall's playing were so expertly done that ultimately I felt really satisfied. Their facial expressions was all the exposition we needed. Harrison is going to be okay and Dexter is at peace. 
The final scenes with a Calvary arriving in Iron Lake, including Batista, we can conclude was among them. It was just brilliant. Justice was done. Deb, Rita, LaGuerta, even Dokes, all the people that died as collateral damage of Dexter's Dark Passenger deserve justice, and Batista's inclusion basically provided that justice. And ultimately, our favourite serial killer didn't just get justice, but more importantly, he got love, which is all he ever wanted to feel, and peace. So five stars from me. Now, finally, I just wanted to say a personal thank you and congratulations, Gareth. You began this podcast as sort of a hobby in the mobile studio back when podcasts were so niche that, and they really weren't widely listened to anyone. There was very few commercial podcasts. And I was planning on binging New Blood this year until I found out that you were bringing back Dissecting Dexter. And then I knew I had to watch it weekly, supplemented by your podcast and the fantastic community that you've built around this podcast. I was so excited for you to tune in last week and hear Scott Reynolds on your show. You are such a global Dexter treasure, Gareth. Thank you so much. You guys are the best. <laughs> Thanks, Louise. That's so kind. And, and you flatter me, honestly. Uh, a companion to the TV show is what I wanted this podcast to be. And I'm glad you chose to listen along week by week. As I've said before, I've listened to podcasts about shows in between new episodes. Lost, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul to name but three. And it really does enhance the experience, being able to clarify plot points, hear from the creators in some cases, send in feedback, be part of the conversation and, and the fan community. This is something that's really great about the internet. For all the toxicity out there, this is a positive. That it gives us a place to easily do this. Thanks so much, Louise, and, and to everyone else who's been so generous with your kind words about me and this little podcast that I do. <laughs> Which brings us to the end of the feedback for the finale. I hope I've got across where I'm at with the New Blood finale and why. To those of you who were cool on the finale, or worse, <laughs> I really hope that I might have helped sway you on some of the sticking points, and perhaps you'll look back on it more favourably now. Perhaps a rewatch is in order, now you've heard what the community think, or maybe you'll say, okay, fair enough, but I still didn't like it. And that's okay, it's all good. Even without the finale, it's been a great series, a return that we never saw coming, and I'm so grateful we got it. Guys, I'm sorry this podcast is so late coming out. <laughs> I'd intended to release it a week after the review, but it, I, I just got so, so busy. Plus, I had my COVID booster and spent a couple of nights not feeling too great. Anyway, we're here now, and I hope you've enjoyed this enormous <laughs> finale feedback fiesta. It really has been epic, and I hope you're still with me. <laughs> And that you'll now turn your thoughts to your favourite bits of New Blood. Which, which moments will stick with you? Which bits stand out as highlights? 
was it that fantastic show-stopping moment when Edward Olson came out and handed out the hot chocolate? I've only had one submission so far, so it would be great to get more votes. So the top five list will be, it'll better represent the thoughts of you, my honestly humbling and amazing Dissecting Dexter listeners. I'll be voting too, but it's you guys I want to hear from. Drop me a line at dissectingdexter at gmail.com and give me your top five new blood moments. We'll do a podcast soon as a way of saying bye to new blood and our favourite serial killer. So please send them in and join me soon when we'll dissect some more Dexter together through the medium of a top five. (laughs) Until then, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for being brilliant listeners. I mean that. Take care. Speak to you soon. Bye.